Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 25. Hi, friends. It is supplemental time once again. What supplemental are we on? Like 58? Ah, God, I don't know. 37? When we get to Vichelle's wonderful drawing of whatever, we will know. Yep. I have no clue. Recording Uh, live from my apartment in beautiful Portland adjacent Milwaukee. But Milwaukee, Oregon, not Milwaukee. Yeah, no, not Milwaukee. Wisconsin. Yeah. That's where Milwaukee. Milwaukee's actually supposed to be. Right. And we are also live, how did, live streaming? We're live, live yeah, periscoping? No, we're, li- we're live streaming. I guess we're streaming. Yeah, we're streaming. Sure. That we're doesn't stream- feel right for some reason. We're streamers. In yes. highest bicycle handles. Yeah, we're streaming streamers who stream. Yep. So we will be entertaining live questions from the internet via... You have to email the questions, listeners, just so you know. Please don't send them via the app, because we're not looking at the app. Amanda's looking at the app, but the things will scroll by, and it's a whole thing, and just do what you're told. Can they tweet us? I never knew. Uh, No, No. because I don't have the Twitter account. They can, but we won't answer them for three more months until the next supplemental. Yeah, just yell into the darkness. Just yell into the darkness. Postatomichorror at Gmail. I'm looking at the account right now. That's where we're reading the questions from, and we will be happy to entertain any and all questions you have. Some will be skipped, some will be mocked, most will be mocked. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Let's be honest here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have that same sad train here that we have at our house. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's the midnight special. Oh. On its way to ruin podcasts all across this great land of ours. Is it going to shine a light on me? Uh, if you're lucky. Oh, all right. I hope it does. If you're very lucky. So let's answer some mail, I suppose. All right, crack or open. should we first talk about Voyager? I don't know. Do we really? Do we need to summarize Voyager season two? I it was better than I expected. It was better than I expected, also. But it was, you know, Seska, Seska. Um, don't forget Seska. Vidians, Seska, Seska. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and Seska, Seska. Right, a lot Chakotay's of Seska's dad. Oh boy. Um, we're basically just naming the last episode we saw. Aren't yeah, basically. We? I do you remember anything from early season two? Uh, I don't. Um, no. Um, no. I mean, two Vicks, that was like two weeks ago. Yeah, they were lost in space. They were lost in space? Yeah, they were lost in space. With, the, the, with oh, Gary Oldman. There was a robot. Oh, yeah, there was a great robot. Yeah, there was that robot let's episode. Let's talk about that great robot. No, we already did that. That was a pretty great robot. Let's, let's answer some mail. How All about right, that? give There's, me the mail. Okay. First one, and these go back to October. Just so you know, since yeah, the so previous supplemental. There's going to be a lot of people. What do you think the future will be like in 2016? Uh, who knows? It's fine. We have Star Ooh, Wars movies now. A lot of dead celebrities. Yep. This one actually has absolutely nothing to do with Star Trek, All so right. we're off to a great start there. It's also addressed to Ron, and I don't know who that is. Uh, hi, Ron and Matt. How are you? Well, Matt, how are you? We'll ask Ron when we find him. I'm fine. All right. Good to know. As you probably know, another Trudeau has ascended to prime ministership. It's true. Any thoughts on the matter? Go. Just a casual question, nothing serious. He seems fine, you know. Justin Trudeau seems like a good yeah. dude. I don't live there anymore, so, you know, I can't really be proud of it. Sure you anymore. can. You can be proud of anything you want, man. Mm. All right, well, good for Canada. You have been proud of so many things that I've basically done. Yep, that's that, true. And and taken you've taken credit for that you can do anything you it's want. It's the story of our partnership. Yeah, basically. 
Also, uh, we have a few people here in Matt's apartment, one of those being Matt's wife, Mal, who is a big fan of Justin Trudeau. I can see the hearts in her eyes from across yes. the room. He's dreamy. He is a very dreamy looking fellow. Yep. Let's, let's be absolutely clear about that. Um, I was hoping for a centaur moose hybrid of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, in fact, we have a we have a, a an email here from mm. Mallory D. <laughs> Let's see here, and it says Seska, more like Suxka. Am I right? Yours and Chicote's vision quests, Mal. I don't know that that requires an answer. I think that pretty much says it all. It was wonderfully topical, though. Yeah, very right. Like th- this is the advantage of the stream, really. <laughs> um, yeah, laughing think- at her own jokes. <laughs> You yeah. married a real Paul F. Tompkins there. I know what I married. God, if only I could have married Paul F. Tompkins. Well, he's already married. I, you know. To um, Paget Brewster, <laughs> as far as I know. What were you going to say? Do you think his real wife is just just watches their fake uh, marriage and just shakes her head and just... <sighs> we'll never, never gonna, have... It's never yeah. going to be that good. Never, unfortunately. You were, you were about to say something maybe about Justin no. Trudeau? No. Okay. He's fine. Good okay. for him. Fair enough. I like that picture of him from some Comic-Con where he's getting accosted by stormtroopers. That's always good. Speaking of stormtroopers, yeah. I'm actually, this is the in-between stage, but I'm working toward a General Hux from The Force Awakens cosplay, which is why my hair is a little different. And when I grow it out in a couple of months for Emerald City Comic-Con, it'll look more like him and I'll have the outfit and everything and not the beard. But That's going to be weird. But I'm moving toward that. Pic- so Picture this. That's what his face is going to look like. Today, the Republic, da, 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 etc. I need to study the... I'm going to lick your hand. Do it. Okay. Not, not the first time. Nope. I've had my tongue many places around you. I'd say, what, 35% of my body at this point? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Nice not shirt, a... by the way. Thank you. I'm also wearing the same shirt as it happens. <laughs> we always promised we were never going to be that couple. We're the uh, we're the podcast that wears its own shirt. So picture himself on himself. Yep. Uh, this one comes from Jason, but not that Jason or the other Jason. A different Jason entirely. Oh, we know too many Jasons. Ah, bring on the Jasons. That's what I say. Dear Pa, I've been listening to your podcast since 2012, about the time you were reviewing the end of TOS and starting the animated series. I have enjoyed listening to your podcast every Monday as it starts my week with a laugh. One laugh, huh? An hour-long show with one laugh. You got to try harder. Yeah, I know. Because clearly I'm the one. I'm a failure. Uh, clearly, I have a very stressful job that is often hectic and chaotic, and I'm grateful that you have never missed a Monday. I too grew up on TNG, but feel that DS9 is the best series. I'm looking forward to seeing your take on Voyager and Enterprise. Thank you for the laughs. Oh, now there he says laughs, mm. plural. Which is it, Jason? You are a waffler. <laughs> Thank you. Get the record straight. And so forth. Also, I'm, while we're on the topic, I have missed a Monday. Uh, only one, yep. and you also did a summary there, so that doesn't mm, really count. It's true. All right. I, the, the Facebook memories thing that pops up and says on this day so many years ago yep. uh, reminded me of that one yeah. uh, this week, actually. We, we hit the fifth anniversary or whatever it was of that one time you missed. Didn't we also recently celebrate the fourth the the fourth birthday of Armus? Yes, it also reminded me that uh, Flonk joined us to review Skin of Evil, and which that, is the, which was the, the debut of our Armus voice. Armus voice. <laughs> also, uh, we got a lot of positive feedback from our new permanent guest Tedro, mm. uh, both via email, which we'll get to, and Good. some uh, some some tweets mm. and some uh, comments on the website. And a lot of people said they were really happy that she did the Armus voice. That was the number one thing. Hey, hey guys. And she was so reluctant at first, but, yeah, no. but I'm glad we, we uh Sorry, Tedro, this, this uh, promotes you to new Armus. Yep. 
Narmus. Narmus. <laughs> Next one comes from John Wiggins, and he says, So do you guys think that perhaps Chipotle, or I mean Chicote, no I didn't, came from Dorvin 5, the planet that Wesley had his vision quest on? My reasoning, Indians fight with Cardassians. Again, Indians and Cardassians. It's possible. I don't remember, but... I, like, that could definitely be who they were sort of referencing. I think that weird late next-gen, mid-DS9, early Voyager, I think the same writing team had this idea that the Maquis and the whole native thing and yeah. all that was intertwined, and I was never really clear because somebody mentioned Chakotay. I think it was Ensign Rowe mm-hmm. mentioned Chakotay, her former, like, teacher at Starfleet yeah. that joined the Maquis or something. Maybe. And, like, but a lot of it doesn't really line up. And then you got the Nick Locarno, Tom Paris yeah. thing. And we I don't know. know he spent at least some time on Earth. So, right. I think maybe not. Now I'm not sure. I, I think the answer we're going for here is Hakuchi Moya. I think mm. we can all agree. Yep. Hakuchi Moya. Next one. It just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. Next one comes from Kevin. And he says, "Good, another from Ron, for Ron. I don't know who keeps getting these emails. Uh, and the form and the artist formerly known as Paul Rudd. Yes, it's the opening to a Trek episode, and we're on the holodeck. A common Trek premise. Janeway's getaway with Leonardo da Vinci is a great example. We haven't gotten there yet. I know it's coming. No, but, but I, yeah, I'm I'm aware. But she I, has a weird crush on Leonardo da Vinci and his leathery face. You've got a real problem with old people. Yeah, sorry, old people. That's okay. I forgive you. Um. Now imagine if we were never told that it was a hollow novel. A TV show airs following a close friend of Leonardo da Vinci. Then in the last episode of the entire series, that main character says, computer, end program, and walks the fuck off a holodeck. Isn't that what happened? Isn't that how Enterprise ends? I think that's what he's getting at, actually. Oh, okay. After after spoiler happened on that episode of Enterprise, I began seeing the holodeck in media outside of track. (laughs) At this point, no one is going to convince me that Orange is the New Black is anything but Catherine Janeway, retired and bored, living out that saga on a holodeck. <laughs> or that Renegades is anything other than Chekhov's perverted-ass way to pass the time with a novel about saving the Federation as he spends time, <laughs> quality time with young girls. <laughs> that could, I haven't seen Renegades, but I've seen uh, promos for it, and it is like Admiral Chekhov uh-huh. and, and a bunch of hot young rebel chicks. I believe that more than I believe that uh, Janeway retires from being an admiral and goes, I think I'm going to be a Russian stereotype in a prison. I don't know, though, because she was a governess who was basically beat up by children, and that was her idea of fun. It's true. And Amanda, I really don't know what Catherine Janeway does for fun. No, because she's usually, she's all about her work. But Amanda, who is into novels of that period, assures me that's not the good part of the book. That the, the good, good part, part of the book, book is later. At the end. Uh. Right. <laughs> like the final boss is seducing the dad, right? <laughs> well, holo novels are really game. They're video games, really, essentially, right? Oh, my God. I'm just picturing it like Final Fantasy VI style with like little Catherine Janeway dressed in Victoria and a giant, super detailed penis. And it going. I assume that's hilarious. Scott Zioko will love it. Okay. Scott Zioko's out with his apparently three children. I thought he had four. Was wrong about that. 18. 18 children. Uh, another one from John Wiggins. He has sent us a delightful uh, cartoon drawing, and unfortunately, it would be difficult for me to turn this around, but uh, Can we put it in the- we'll put it in the show notes, yeah. postatomicord.com, uh, of Chicote Away. It's a picture of Chicote with some soiled undergarments and a spray <laughs> bottle that says Chicote. See the little 
Like, oh yeah, those are some very. So- is this from South Park? Uh, it could be. It looks like it's from South Park. Could be. Not sure. Those are South Park hands. I have not watched South Park in um, I don't know thirty seasons. I only saw the first like twenty five seasons. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I really like the idea of Chakotay as Stan's dad. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. <laughs> I could see that. I'm yep. still I'm still focused on your idea of Nick Offerman as uh, that Chakotay. would be amazing. Yeah. That would be so much better as that the outdoorsy. May, that may be the best idea I've had in a while. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. This one comes from Scott, or as he insists on calling himself, Gay Scott. <laughs> we called him that once, and now he's he, like, he, I, I guess, mean, look, I he guess I'm it. Gay Scott. If he's going to own it, you know. That's fine. I, I, I respect the crap out of that. In fact, he actually signs off, yours in rainbows and dildos, Gay Scott. Aw, thanks, Gay Scott. So there's that. Uh, first off, with all the Back to the Future buzz, this was November, by the yeah. way. Shouldn't you be the post-Mr. Fusion horror? Well, we missed that uh, opportunity. Yeah. We we missed that flying train, unfortunately. <laughs> we don't need no credit card to ride it, though. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who can successfully name podcasts. By saying post something post horror. Post something horror, yeah. Yeah, of course. Second, they just put out a coffee table book on the subject of Star Trek costumes, and one part talks about Kess's jumpers. Paraphrasing, it was a deliberate choice to make her look preteen, to fit the character being naive and excited about being out in the wider world. But looking back, they saw the problems of dressing a character supposedly in a relationship so young. This is cited as one of the reasons they made Seven of Nine so sexy, because besides the obvious Borg implants. Okay. So yeah, we've talked about that before, yeah. about her being a child. Is she not a child? Is yeah. Neelix creepy? You're just Neelix? Well, he is creepy. But if they're dressing her to look like a child, then that definitely gives That's it an air of... creepy. It is. But. So they went the the complete other way with 709 and just like, like let's no, This is sex. a woman. Yep. And uh, another person sitting in with us here is our friend Caitlin, who is a big fan of 709. I can see her, her face lighting up. Seven... What? 709? Yeah, talking about 709. <laughs> She's, she'll be actually joining us for for one of the first Seven of Nine episodes. Yeah, that's coming this year, I guess. Soon? I don't know. Because I think season three ends with Scorpion, and that's I think her first appearance, I think. So, I don't actually know much of what's coming. I do know the first week of season three is um, the, the second part of the two-parter, and yep. then the Sulu episode. Oh, okay. Flashback, which we oh, see right, Tuvok. Oh, right, with Sulu and uh, Rand. And her wicker hair. I really, and, and you've just moved and all your comics are in boxes, unfortunately. Yep. It was your friend Mark, was it not? Who? Uh, it was either, was I, it Mark or Nate? It was one of the. I'm pretty sure it was Mark gave you a bunch of Star Trek yeah. b- uh, biography comics of Star Trek actors. Yeah. And, and they were, I, we talked about them way back when we. We when talked we, about it on Sarcastic Voyage like five years ago. It was yeah. a long time yeah, yeah. ago. But the 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 rest of them were f- whatever like yeah, yeah. oh Leonard Nimoy hosted in search of yeah. and then he didn't want to be Spock and then he did like all the stuff we know but, but the one about the uh, Grace Lee Whitney Grace, yeah who played uh, who played uh, Yeoman Rand yeah was maybe the saddest thing ever it had this super judgy tone it felt yeah. almost like a um, it was like it was written by a Trek fan who was really disappointed in her life choices. But the the tone of it felt like a chick tract. It felt yeah. like it was passing serious judgment. Yeah, on her. like those super religious uh, comics that are that are trying to keep you from going to hell and like stop whoring around yeah. and so forth. And it talks about her 
poor life choices, getting into drugs. And I, I, yeah. it, it used words like fornication. Like it was seriously, yeah. it wasn't just like, and she was a little promiscuous. It was like super judging. Well, and the other thing was the, 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 the way that like it's black and white art, mm-hmm. really thick lines. So if you open it, it looks like one of those adult coloring books that are so popular now. <laughs> and so it's like this weird um, finger shaking just book about like the mistakes Gracely Whitney made. Yeah, and it was and and it was sort of like a behind the music where you have the rise to popularity, yeah. then the rock bottom, and yeah. then the re-rise, except there was it, was, no re-rise. it was rock bottom and then further rock bottom and then further rock yep. bottom, and then that's it, the end. Yeah. And And wow. then she was on Voyager for one episode. One episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. Not great. I, I really wish that you it wasn't like I appreciate that it's at the bottom of a box. I don't expect you to yeah. find it, but I, having a dramatic reading of that for her triumphant return to the show would have been fun. Yeah. Because it was some sad... If anyone has a copy of that and would like to send it to us, com- or, uh, you know... Yeah, let us a, know. Yeah. Uh, this we'll one, get a P.O. box for... Uh, yeah, sure. P.O. box, Matt's house. Yes. Um, this one comes from Anthony. Uh, Anthony. Hey, guys. I started listening a few months back, about the time you started reviewing Voyager, if I'm not mistaken. At the time, I was nostalgic for DS9, and tonight I just finished the series finale review. Just wanted to thank you for the podcast. It's brought back great memories. Two things, though. All right. One. Here comes the other shoe. <laughs> it's always bugged me when the prophets would tell Cisco, if you go, you'll never find peace, or if you marry her, you'll face sorrow, mm-hmm. as in neither case did his choice cause the effect. But I had a thought. Maybe the prophets are like that guy in Men in Black 3. He kept saying things like, the Earth will be destroyed in ten minutes, unless uh, this is one of the timelines where Kay leaves a tip. In other words, they aren't saying he causes the bad thing, merely expressing a desire that this uh, be one of the worlds where it doesn't happen mm. without having a firm enough grasp on linear time to be useful in preventing it. I, I get that, yeah, but I don't know that those guys necessarily dealt in alternate realities. They just dealt in non-linear time. They only dealt in alternate realities if you got into the expanded universe stuff, which right. is non-canonical. But I'm pretty sure they dealt I'm with one dork. timeline back and forth. Oh, are we suddenly apologizing yeah. for this? It just felt really weird all of a sudden. Just like, I'm pretty sure that's not non-canonical in the original timeline. It's, it's okay, Matt. I know. I this is the best place to do this. We're among friends here. Yeah, they're literally over there. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, Two, we know the prophets are able to send someone back from the Celestial Temple to any moment they want, as Mm. they've done before. Uh, We know they want to teach Sisko something. We know that Dukat is with the Pa Wraiths in the same way Sisko is with the prophets. In my personal canon, they are holding him in reserve for a day when the Pa Wraiths find a way to release Dukat back into the world. At the time, he will head to the Gateway Temple to confront the prophets... Uh, yeah, I mean, I I basically believe that, too. Yeah, no, I always wanted them to do, like, a comeback to uh, DS9 novel or something where Cisco and Dukat both come back for this big epic showdown. Um, as far as I know, in the books, Cisco just came back. And then they just resume business? Yeah, he said, hello. Here I am. I was gone for a while, but I'm back now. Hello. I have a new recipe. <laughs> Speaking of which, is is this in the shot for the people watching the stream? Matt's uh, wonderful Neelix cookbook. My mom got me for Christmas the Star Trek cookbook, not knowing that we are right in the middle of uh, Voyager Voyager and open mocking of Neelix. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of perfect. Like I cracked it open on Christmas morning and it was just like, just the light that shone on my face. It's like, you have no idea how perfect this is. Well, because you've moved away now. Yes. So it's a thing for you to go back home mm-hmm. and you kind of like, that's your other life now. You're going back home yeah. and you open a present and the last thing you expect in your week off mm-hmm. going home is Neelix. Yep. 
He's like, no, this is my week off from Neelix. And then you tear open the paper and there's Neelix. Yes, and before you ask, there's an entire chapter on cooking with hair. Of course there is. And an entire chapter on locating lost organs. (laughs) And I believe the appendix just says, oh no, my appendix. (laughs) Uh, Here's here's a recent email from someone watching the stream, David McCabe. Oh, this is one of our uh, Twitter friends. Mm. He says, I'm quite convinced that Brian Blessed might be the greatest human that has ever lived. Yeah. I concur. If you could replace any character in Star Trek with the Big B, who would it be and why? I would love to see Mr. Blessed play Kirk. Sparks alive! Thank you for your hard work. Uh, Sarek. I don't want him in every episode. My mind to your mind! But when he shows up, I want I want him to be Sarek. I would love to see him play a Klingon. Like, That'd be great, Like, yeah. whoever would replace Galron, like the powerful main, you know, lead Klingon guy. Make him crudge and, uh, or is it courage? I can never remember. Oh. In, uh, Trek 3. Get out! Get out of there! Cruise. <laughs> that would be great. I wasn't even thinking of a replacement character. I was thinking of a new, like, just a, because I think those sort of, I don't know how else to say it, the big, fat, powerful guys. Yeah. I always thought Orson Welles would make a great mm. Klingon. Same thing. Yeah. The, the guys with the gravitas, with the great voices and the projection, the theatrical projection and the, you know, like, those make really good Klingons. Also, I don't care who he plays. I want him dressed like he's in Flash Gordon. Yeah, that's fair. With the with the the, the wings mm-hmm. and the gold, mm-hmm. that would be all right. As I understand it, mm. uh, later on in Voyager, we get a hollow. It's not a hollow novel, but it's a hollow something, a hollow man, probably. Hollow man. <laughs> uh, that's a throwback to Flash Gordon, Buck yes. Rogers, like uh, all that old pulpy stuff. Yeah, yeah, the something about Captain spiders. Phasma. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Something. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> I just, look, that is the most pulp name in Star Wars it's right true, now. Yeah. Captain Phasma is way the fuck up yep. there. But, um, and her Phasma rifle. Yeah. But she shoots tiny Captain Phasma heads. <laughs> she shoots little versions of herself? Yeah. She, she's really Captain Fractal. It's like uh, Superman, Superman vision. <laughs> is that a re- thing? Which is a real thing. Is that canon, Matt? Yes. Okay. It's Silver Age canon. Now, why, canon. Do you, why are you not apologizing for knowing about Superman's Superman vision? I don't know. Why do you not feel ashamed? I mean, you shouldn't feel ashamed for any of it. I'm but. very passionate about Superman's Superman vision. I think it, I don't, if I've heard of that, I don't remember. That it, sounds he amazing. He basically just shoots tiny Supermen out of his eyes that do Superman, like, uh, they, they fly around and help him. Okay, but can those Supermen then shoot even tinier Supermen out of their eyes? <sighs> That's a good question. Do I they all have his sh- powers? Yeah, so they must... Okay. It's and called then, Superman Superman Vision. So it's really like a Russian nesting doll version of Superman. Yeah. It's like a uh, Matrushka man. That goes backwards into eyes. What? Oh, yeah, right. And then they all and stack then he gets, back And then in. he gets shot in the eye. Well, then that then leads to, is there maybe a larger Superman that he emerged from? Yeah, there's a there's a supersized Superman at the center of the galaxy. Hmm. I see. That all, that everything has emerged from. And then when Kirk went there, he's like, what does Superman need with a starship? Yeah, he can fly. Right, Exactly. Okay. Look, he did have that plane with the the two boxing gloves on the front. Do you not remember this? Okay. No, um, I remember a lot of ill-conceived toys with logos on them, but that the characters clearly didn't need. So one thing the Superman action figure had this is from the Superpowers line was a jet that had like two fists on either side of the cockpit. No, were so they you, boxing gloves or were they flesh? They fists? were they were flesh fists. Okay. okay, so you could push a button on the back and they would go. See now the the actual boxing gloves I could picture the Joker having on like those extended yeah, no, things. Yeah, that would make like, sense. Yeah, but not. I have I have real problems conceiving of a world where Superman needs fists that are not his own. I would I will say the Bruce Tim 
version of Superman mm-hmm. was depowered enough that when he went into deep space, he needed a vehicle. Yes. They could have conceivably, now I don't know why he would need fists. Mm-hmm. I mean, apart from the obvious of that's really cool. Yep. But be good for punching Lobo, because fuck Lobo. Yeah. Yeah, fuck Lobo. Right? That is our official stance. Next question comes from Scott Lobo. (laughs) Or Zioko. I don't know how you pronounce that. Scott Z. Lobo. Yeah. (laughs) Dear pals, now that we are more than a few episodes into Voyager, it appears that your opinions of Janeway has definitely shifted to being more positive. Does this at all change your opinion of her cameo as an admiral in Nemesis? This is more for you. You were really upset about this. I was kind of indifferent to it as I recall. Yeah, she did lose a ship. Thanks for a conti- uh, oh, I thought I said continuity. Thanks for a continually excellent podcast. Noted time and again enthusiast, Scott Zioka. <laughs> again, another Scott owning it. Good uh, for you. I, we've talked about this briefly before, mm-hmm. and I think you've sort of gone back on your disgust. I've definitely come around on Janeway. Um, I'm going to wait until the end of the series to sort of decide whether or not she should be promoted to the Admiral that we see in Nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, as of right now... Yeah, she's doing all right. If she maintains the course, if she stays as yeah. as cool as she is, then yeah, she yeah, deserves I'll it. Allow it. The thing is, and I think she makes a better admiral than you know Picard, promoting Picard or Kirk or well, Picard. They always wanted to keep in the Kirk mold of you want to yeah. stay out here, and I think isn't it in the books where actually Riker gets Riker's promoted an admiral over him? Yeah, because Picard doesn't want to leave. Yeah, and Riker's continuing his career, and Picard still just wants yeah. to be out on the frontier, and that's yep. cool. He's an explorer guy. I get that, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, not a funny answer, but yeah. I think Cisco would make a good admiral. He basically was. Yeah. Like, not in rank, but he was, when he, he was, was running the war. He was of, like, yeah, the when, war. So. Yeah, when he was out there, like, moving troops around behind the scenes and not directly out in the ship. Yeah, like, no, I can definitely was, see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, except, I think, uh, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure ascending to godhood trumps admiral. Yeah. I could not be wrong. Not that, you know, actual admirals would probably agree with that, but... No, of course not. Now, Commodores. I feel like Nichev would be all like, no, this is better. I'm not listening to a god. Me, 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 me. Where's my tea? Yep. That's Amanda's favorite character. Amanda's also. I'm going to introduce you each one by one. So, uh, one more to go. I love Admiral Nichev. You're welcome you to her. I like her as an adversary. I don't I don't think I'd like her as a person. Great. Yes. Uh, this one also comes from Kevin, who wrote to us before. Uh, this has proven to be apocryphal, unfortunately. It says CBS announces Star Trek Prime. Yep. I remember looking at this when he sent it to us in November about the new TV series. He thought he had seen the logo for it, but that is incorrect. Yeah. No. Sadly. It's happening. We're still excited. Yes. We just don't know anything about it. Yeah. We don't know what it is or who it's for mm-hmm. or anything. I have, uh, and maybe listeners, you know about this, or maybe Matt, you know, you may not because we've talked about this before, I think. Mm. Apparently... TV Star Trek. Oh, yeah. We could do the visual. Like, yeah. Go on. Tell me more. You don't I have, have anything to do that way. I have just enough stubble to do it. Yeah, I guess you do. Yeah. Can the mic pick that up? That's some good sound. Nice, nice little sandpapery. Uh, yeah. I'm hearing a nod from Mal way back there, so I'm guessing she can hear it. Yeah. So I assume the, the mic can probably hear it. Excellent. No, um, I can rub my face against the mic if you want. I'd rather you didn't. Other people use these mics, Matt. I mean, this pop filter is going to be mine, so... I guess that's true. I'll just rub it against my Mark face it as your own. Is this your version of peeing on it? Yes, but then later on, I'll also pee on it. I, hey, look, <laughs> I don't judge, man. I mean, not about this, anyway. No, no, but so many other things. Mm. You're on trial for the crimes of humanity, but... Uh, oh, not for humanity's fucked, then. Yeah. Um, 
No, I, what I've been reading or heard, I don't remember where this came from, but it came from what I believe to be a valid source, is that the rights to Star Trek movies and mm. the rights to Star Trek TV are managed by different, like it's all eventually goes to the same company. Mm, that makes sense. But they're handled by different people and there may not be a way to tie the movies to the TV. Like they might not want to play nice together. And that makes sense. Because of that, the TV series might have no connection to the movies and might be its own separate thing, maybe in the earlier continuity. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe in a whole new continuity, we don't know. I think it's a good idea to keep the two separate. Like, I don't think the TV show should be about, you know, the Enterprise. I don't think it should be about the Enterprise. I do think setting up, if they wanted to do a reboot, which mm. I don't necessarily think they should. Yeah. But if they wanted to, they already have a pre-existing thing to just run with. Yeah. And say, fine, here's the rebooted whatever. But I think they should do an original idea. I don't yeah. think they should just redo Next Gen or redo Voyager or mm. DS9 or whatever. But there is some established stuff to play with. I also think Hollywood is very enamored with shared universes right now. Well, yeah, they make all the money. So I mean, the Marvel stuff's doing really well. The Star Wars, I mean, the new Star Wars movie is the only thing in the new thing. The th but they're about yeah. to put out more movies. But I mean, Star it. Wars was always going to make an insane amount of money. I yeah, but haven't it, seen like any of those other. But they're doing universe things that have. I'm just stuck. thinking of examples that are around right now. Yeah. The rest of them are in the pipeline and haven't mm. come out yet. Like the, there's that the Universal Monsters thing is going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that. That could be good for. I don't know if that's going to still going to happen because. Dracula Untold whizzed itself down its own leg. Come on. They're, seriously, two or three Dracula movies fail every year. That, that's not going to stop them. That is true. And I'm not even... Two or three Dracula movies do fail every year. But with your help, give generously. And <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of give generously, someone wrote in and suggested that we do a Patreon or Patreon. I still mm. don't know how to say that. Uh, that's Patronus. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Expecto money. <laughs> and... Um, and I, I showed him how he can donate to us, yeah. and he uh, signed up for a subscription donation mm. for one month, mm. and then stopped. All right. My point is, he's like, no, please, please, let me give you money, and then he immediately stopped giving us money. So I don't know if we pissed him off, or he broke, or whatever, but uh, I'm shaming him. I'm not going to call him out by name, <laughs> No, but I'm going to shame him now. Just, you know who you are. Uh, this one comes from Kevin. Oh, writing in about another Star Trek podcast. I don't care. Oh. Is it good? I don't know. We're still the best Star Trek podcast. Sorry, Mother Star Trek podcasts. I haven't. I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, let's see. This is not something we need to read. Spam, spam. This is a lot of words, Fiona. Also, my name is not Ron. Uh, I'm fairly new to your podcast and have mostly listened to your DS9 episodes, which I found very charming and entertaining to listen to. Thank you. Uh, finding the perspectives you guys provide and the perspective of your guests, who are always a pleasure, are not only amusing, but also insightful, I decided to go further back and check out some of the TNG episodes you guys did. Ooh. I was amazed to discover our opinions on TNG are actually very different. Ah. I do find a lot of what you say accurate, but I'm surprised by some of the things you don't talk about. An episode that springs to mind is The Most Toys, in which Data is captured by Kivas Fajo and made part of his one-of-a-kind collection. Oh yeah, that guy. I don't think you guys ever mentioned the central theme of the story, which is dehumanization. Hmm. Data, a character who has struggled to gain recognition as a sentient being, is placed in a position where there is no one willing to defend his right to self. 
Through data, the audience takes the journey of what is treated as an object, having his freedom, his right to choose, and his right to expression revoked. Not only that, but his objections to his treatment go completely ignored. You guys made a passing comment about Fajal removing data's clothing as a fangirl idea. I know this was said as a joke. Mm -hmm. But the tone of that scene is far from sexual, and placing it in that context is uncomfortable. What we are witnessing is an extreme violation. The removal of data's clothing is about removing the last vestiges of data's self. It's meant to be demoralizing and really drive home data's objectification. Uh, I know this is long and you guys are doing a comedy show, but I was just surprised none of this was mentioned at all. Because of the themes of the episode and because of the adorable puppet, this episode ranks as one of my favorites. <laughs> um, the thing about that specific episode of our podcast is that is the only one to my memory we've had to record twice. You may not remember this. Oh, did we? That was when we lost, right? Yes. We recorded it with our friend Chris, uh, Fourth Man. Yeah, yeah. And something happened to one of our recordings or all of our recordings yeah, yeah, yeah. or something, and we had to redo it on Sunday night, which we have never done before or since. Nope. In 200 plus episodes. And we probably missed a lot of stuff that we covered the first Almost time. Almost definitely. Like, our. We're pretty good at, like, being able to rattle off stuff we've just said, like... Yeah. Um, but, I mean, uh, sometimes halfway through the recording, we'll lose something and have to just do yeah. it again. Or when we do our group uh, screening, we'll come up with good jokes. Oh, say that thing. Yeah, yeah, Set me thing. up for that now, you know, in the show, and we'll make it sound natural. Because, you know, we're, it's all fake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this welcome, is all rehearsed. Welcome and, behind the curtain. Yes. There's nothing on the wall behind the curtain. I, you need to put up a curtain. I... It, is really my this is my blank ass wall that mm -hmm. has nothing on it ever. Do we have any ass walls at our house? I don't think we do. I don't know. Let me know. Go home and find out, and then report back to me. I've been watching a lot of Aqua Teens recently, so I just took that literally as an ass wall because they probably had an ass wall on that my show. My ass wall. <laughs> literally from my ass wall. Yeah, my meat was not as good as yours. <laughs> you can do a better shake than I can. That's though. true. People do things. It's a fact. Yeah, I know it's broken. So now neither of you get it. And just throw something down <laughs> on the ground and it explodes. <laughs> Hey, that's mine. Yeah, um, not anymore, because I broke it. Uh, yeah, see? Much better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why are you always picking on me? <laughs> uh, Fiona says, I really just wanted to share my views as a passionate trekker and a fan of what you guys do. No, that's great. No, and believe me, if we miss something that you think we should we should uh, talk about, by mm -hmm. all means. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's just... Like I say, with that one time, it's possible we didn't get to that. I don't remember. It's been a couple of years, but I, I remember that episode. It didn't occur to us to talk about it. That was back in those days was when I was trying to figure out how to improve my sound quality. And I was recording in a tiny closet. And I remember having to do it twice. And it was awful. He would just emerge covered sweat, in sweat. Yeah, just terrible. Like as if he had gone swimming in a pool of sweat. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what my life is anyway. Yeah. One just giant pool of sweat. <laughs> it's it's a pain known only by me and former President Richard Nixon. <laughs> but yes, thank you, Fiona. You are correct. Yes. Uh, this one comes from Fred. I'm, I'm jumping to the new ones because I know these people are watching the stream. Hi, Fred. Hi, Matt Now My Periscope I, app has I crashed. <laughs> so as I angrily continue to hit refresh <laughs> on my browser, <laughs> I figured I would send you a question regarding that Star Trek thing you two are always on about. If you had to be trapped on a desert island with any main character in all of Trek... Who do you think you would have the best chance of surviving with? And which main character if you were trapped with would lead to the death to death in a matter of days? Apologies if this has already been asked. Uh, this is one of those questions if you ask us every time we get to a new show, we'll have a different answer probably. Yeah. So, you know. I am going to say based on the episode we just watched, um, I want to be shipwrecked with Tuvok. That's fair. That guy pulled together pretty quickly. And he could overcome my inability to not contribute anything. So you're, you're putting yourself in the place of those children. That's correct. I see. 
I got to say, for sheer survivability and no other, we're just talking about Voyager at this yeah. point. I got to say Chakotay. Like, as much as I dude, find him boring. Dude does know his outdoors. He, and in a very recent episode we saw, mm-hmm. he can he can hack it out in the woods. Whereas Janeway is maybe my favorite character on that show now. And she was not very suited to that no. out, roughing it outdoors life, as they made very clear. Yes. Um, not Neelix. No, but the nice thing about Neelix is that you can eat him. Well, I mean, he seems convinced that eating hair is a viable thing, and he's covered in it, so... No, it w- I imagine it would be, one, very easy to kill Neelix. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be well, what so you do simple is... to lure him somewhere and then just hit him in the head with a rock. No, like... no, no. What you do is you dig a pit, mm-hmm. and then you put an underage girl by the pit. <laughs> and then you cover the pit in hair. Yeah. <laughs> No, I just, I feel like you could take Neelix out into the woods, tell him to look for the rabbits, and then just crack him in the head. <laughs> it would be like the end of Old Yeller, only yeah. funny. And the best part is, like, he's not human, so it's not cannibalism. It's perfectly legal. I'm not sure you... Perfectly legal. All right. Now, let, let's expand this to all of Trek. Uh-huh. Instead of just Voyager. Who who would you want to be stranded with? You... And again, for survivability, that's what he asked, um, not for personality. Jordy would be good. That guy knows his shit. Oh yeah, that that episode where he basically used the power of science to escape a pit. Yep. That was that was amazing with his new Romulan friend. Jordy is like the Star Trek version of that guy for uh, Matt Damon in The Martian, like that. I haven't seen that yet. So. Me neither, but the book okay. was really good. Fair enough. You probably dig it actually. I, it's on our short list. We got distracted by another ridiculous yeah. soap opera. Um, <laughs> watching Desperate Housewives now. That's Mal's fault. <laughs> Also, real quick, real quick. I've never even seen it. No, we were talking about something else, and you said, well, Desperate Housewives did this. Oh, I'll check that out. Oh, this is a good show. Um, is it? The, it actually legitimate. It's not like I like it because it's ridiculous. It's uh, actually pretty good. Back, have, back like, me up here, Amanda. I really, really like it. It's not even like, oh, yeah, this is funny, whatever. It's no, so it's bad. pretty good. It's, My dad really liked it, too. So. Oh, it's, it's pretty solid. It's for older gentlemen. I, your dad and I have very similar tastes. No, my mom liked it, though, so not necessarily. Uh, it might be the only thing my mom and I have both like enjoyed entertainment-wise. Anyway, um, there's the one of the leads on there, the redhead, her character's name is Bree, and I don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head. Mm. She would make an amazing Romulan. Yeah, she is so cold and evil, and the look of her, and she's just poised and powerful, and Ooh. make her a friggin' like like female Romulan yeah. commander or something like that. She would be so good. Ooh. Anyway, uh, so in all of Star Trek, Desert Island, Jordy, Jordy, you said. Um, I'm gonna say Bones. Yeah, that's a good one because that covers. I think he'd probably be okay outdoors. He's he's a real. Forget technology. He probably knows how to... Get back to nature. Go camping. I, I, well, he did like camping. Yeah. I forgot about that. But I just imagine in his long stretches of trying to get away from Starfleet, him going out and living in a cabin in the woods, just bringing a case of whiskey, and maybe he some... He only comes back when the whiskey runs out. Yeah. And like like a pallet full of medical journals that he hasn't read in six years, and he wants to catch up on the latest studies, and he just sits there and gets drunk and reads up on, you know, whatever. Also, he's hidden gold, like Ron Swanson. You, you think? Yes. I don't. I mean, with the beard, when he beamed back up his disco bones, yeah. he was out in the woods yeah. for a while. That's yeah. uh, there was there was in the the motion picture, which was the first thing they did after the series. He was out of Starfleet for five to ten years, 
and he beams up to the Enterprise with this ridiculous beard and this open, sh like, disco shirt, and oh, it's amazing. Bones, you want to maybe shave that and get back to work? Nope. I know what I'm about, son. <laughs> Let's see. This one comes from Flunk, and it says, Dear Matt, why do you insist that phage is a real word? It's clearly made up. I know! All right. <laughs> this one also comes from Fiona. So after I sent you guys that long email, I realized I spelled Kivas Fajo's name wrong in the entire time. Please ignore that glaring error. I honestly did notice, and I just smoothed right over it. It's okay. Shame. Also, I wanted to bring up something less intense about the episode Hero Worship, which right. I also loved. Uh, I've watched the episode a million times, but it wasn't until I listened to the podcast that I realized the A plot, Timothy dealing with the death of his parents, is also metaphorically connected to the B plot, an anomaly where raising sh a ship's shield will destroy the ship. I don't know if it was intentional on the writer's part. I'm 100% certain the two ideas are never directly connected in the show. But basically what Timothy doing, Timothy is doing is raising his shields in terms of dealing with his issues. This is the one where the kid tries to be like Data. Yeah, yeah, okay. I wasn't sure if it was the Data one or the Wharf one. There are two very similar episodes that go different ways. <laughs> Both yeah. about children who disappear forever. Yeah, that is correct. Well, Timothy, they actually send off on, I believe they send him off to live with his family or yeah, something. Yeah, on a farm where he can grow up happy. Yeah. Until he's clubbed by someone who wants to eat Neelix. <laughs> uh, the ship having no, to drop see, that's its own... a human. I can't eat that. No, but a Talaxian could. It's true. Uh, the ship having to drop its own shields in order to deal with the threat and escape is very much like Timothy's own need to drop the android persona that is shielding him. Yep, absolutely. Your grasp of metaphor is better than ours. Yeah. Much better than in, ours. In fairness, we spent, we spent a full year watching Gene Roddenberry episodes. Mm-hmm. That club you over the head with its flimsy metaphors yep. over and over and over again. Hey, this is like this. Uh, and so we're not really looking for subtlety. Did, did you know that racism is bad? This That's what I learned from Star Trek. He's black on the left side and white on the right side. Their racism doesn't make any sense. They're basically the same. Also, one of them is Frank Gorshin. <laughs> We were talking before we started recording, and we've mentioned this a bit on the show before. Yes. About how we've become a little less terrible in terms yeah. of... We have definitely become... Uh, in terms of social awareness, in terms of trying not to be homophobic, uh -huh. anti-feminist, uh, uh, transphobic, uh, all that kind of stuff. And trying I, to take the responsibility of not being shitty people. Well, because this is a show run by two white guys, we kind of have to be aware of yeah. things. But um, my point is that video that mm -hmm. you just mimed there for, yes. the, for the people not watching the stream. Mm -hmm. Do it again, just so people... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Which is the end of that episode, uh, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, yes. where Frank Gorshin, who played the Riddler on Batman, played this guy with the half black yeah. half white and he's running down the corridors of the enterprise and he looks like an idiot sadly we tagged as uh frank gorshin runs like a girl oh god yeah. which i now regret yes um what are you gonna do yeah well um cbs is gonna take it down they so. actually that's what i was reminded of uh -huh. when they when i got a cease well, it wasn't the cease and desist it was cbs is now aware that you're using footage from star trek and is now going to put ads on your video mm. all right fine whatever uh so yes i apologize for that mm-hmm uh, Fiona says, I guess Fiona, like sometimes we get listeners on a kick who suddenly discover us and yeah. write in a bunch. And I don't want to imply that we don't like that. But no. that's why we suddenly get a bunch in a row from the same person. Mm. Says, I really like prototypes as well. I would like to think that if Bellana ever met Data, they would be friends. Prototypes is... The robot one. Oh, right. Where yeah. they mentioned Data. 
Exocomps. No, 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 no. This oh. was something else. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Unit Zero. Oh, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't remember. The guy who looked like a Cyberman. Yes. Exocomps. Exocomps. <laughs> Why don't you talk about your Spock? Uh, oh, do you like my Spock cookie jar? All I see is uh, the back of a bowl cut, so uh-huh. I, I don't really... Well, it's, it's Spock. I figured um, it's probably Spock. My sister got me one for Christmas last year, and he stayed in the box until I moved out. We moved in here. He was out of the box for three seconds, and I dropped him, and he shattered. Um, and then my mom bought me a replacement. Which... So you preserved the pieces inside a Bones cookie jar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that you then transferred over. Yes. One shattered. <laughs> What's the second two, half? Two in crumbs. <laughs> right. Um, this one is also from Gay Scott. All right. And he says, the problem with Chuck uh, oh, I, f- yeah. I feel I have to object over the nickname given to Chakotay, Chuck. feel this is especially demeaning to Chuck Metcalf, co-host of the lamented podcast Chuck vs. <laughs> <laughs> Matt especially should be aware of this since his wife is <laughs> of Chuck vs. <laughs> now, Chuck Metcalf has a metric shit ton of problems. That is true. But being literally a wooden Indian and a generic wooden Indian <laughs> is not one of them. So I leave how to resolve this situation up to you. Specifically, Al, since Matt is a lazy, lazy man. It's true. Oh, shit. So I, I think, I'm sorry, I think Chuck Metcalf's going to have to give up his name. Yeah, he's going to be, he's going to have to become Charles again. Mm-hmm. Or Charlo says, uh, Charlos is fine. Yeah. yeah. You can say your own wife's name. I just Can wanna, I? I didn't want to buzz market another podcast. Even if it's a defunct podcast, it's still out there somewhere. So I don't want to. It's not. It's not. It's not out there somewhere. No, I know. Because Joe actually asked if he could have some server space. And yeah. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. <laughs> Nothing to do with the show. I just wanted to clean up my server. Mm. Um, let's see. John Wiggins says, after watching Threshold, I couldn't help but notice. So the doctor said Paris was evolving, becoming what humans will eventually evolve to. And then... He kidnaps the captain, and when Voyager uh, catches uh, up with him... He kidnaps captain. Captain, sorry. And when the Voyager catches up with them, they are newts, so that's what we will eventually evolve into. The only saving grace for me was when I said to myself, I got better. Hashtag Monty Python. Yeah, um, yeah, pinnacle of evolution is gross fuck newts, so... Fuck newts. Look forward is that to what that, called? humanity. Gross fuck newt sounds, like uh, sounds like a Phantom Menace character. No, it's a fuck newton. Oh, right, of course. They're called Pig Newtons. <laughs> what do I have to gain here? Uh, this one comes from Scott, a whole different Scott from the other Scott and the other Scott. We don't have too many Scots. Yeah. Oh, this is, uh, someone has invited us to be on their Star Trek podcast, and we need to get back to this guy because oh, yeah. we've, we looked at it and we'd like to do that. Yes, It's we called do. Random Trek. Random Trek, uh, with the caveat that we can't watch anything we haven't gotten to yet yeah it's exactly uh what you think it is from yeah. the name he picks an episode of star trek at random and then talks about it and yeah we can't do stuff we haven't gotten yeah to but it, otherwise yeah absolutely we're down yeah uh let's see this one comes from mal and she says in regards to fuck newts <laughs> that's not how evolution works you evolve based on your story yeah we talked about this on the show mal if you listen to the show she doesn't you would know that <laughs> In fact, we had someone on the show with a master's degree in evolutionary biology. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah, it was. It was a pretty good episode. Total coincidence. You should check it out sometime. Yeah. Wait, you guys have a podcast? No, we just like to sit in your house sometimes and yeah. uh, talk about Star Trek. I mean, we do. So. Yeah. 
Uh, this one comes from Ben Goza, and he says... Ah, this is entirely visual, <laughs> but it is delightful, and we will post it in the show notes. This is... Balana. 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 What? Danger zone. <laughs> uh, Seth says, Mary fuck, kill. You know the rule, yeah, yeah, yeah. rules no, of I this game, this right? And, and don't worry, this isn't one of those horrible versions no. of this. These are abstract suggestions. Threshold? That's the lizard Threshold fucking. Threshold is lizard fucking, right? Yeah. Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh-huh. A briefing with Neelix. You know what? You go first. I need to think about this. Uh, well, I'm feeling really pro-Star Wars right now for obvious reasons, and I'm going to marry the Star Wars Holiday Special and instantly regret it. But, I mean, of those choices, spending eternity with Tom Paris or Neelix, eh, I'll settle down with the Wookiee family and uh, be Arthur and so forth. That wouldn't be quite so bad. Uh, kill Neelix because I'm just tired of him, and I guess I'm going to have to fuck those lizards. Um, Keep fucking those lizards. I will marry Neelix. Oh, yeah? Yeah. you got to give reasons. You can't I just say. I would watch... Uh, because not Neelix, it's a briefing with Neelix. It's the Neelix TV show. Right. Um, I don't imagine it's very long, so I would be willing to put up with it for, you know. I disagree. I disagree. I feel like he's on all the time. Well, because he's got to go cook at some point. Yeah. He's got to, like, an hour before breakfast, lunch, and dinner time. Otherwise, he's free all day. Mm. Um, I would fuck uh, the lizards. Uh-huh. And kill Star Wars Holiday Special because that thing's fucking bad. And unlike a briefing with Neelix, it goes on forever and ever. Yeah, but there's only one of it. Neelix, the Neelix show is on daily. Yeah, but if you're married to it, you at least all get new things. Okay, but I do. If marry means you have to deal with it every day. But there is Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and R2. Like, there's some good stuff in there. No, I'll take something new that I can openly mock. That's and fair. Hopefully, force into a divorce. Oh uh, no 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 no! We're assuming marriage is like Catholic right, well, marriage then, where you can't get divorced. All right. Well, then I'll have a horrible, bitter Lockhorns marriage. That's fine. Okay, that's fair. But no, I'll, I'll fucking I'll kill Star Wars Holiday Special. That thing sucks. Don't kill my wife. I've seen it. How through. dare you? This is turning into an Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, <laughs> are we gonna kill each other? Crisscross. Yeah. We'll make you jump, jump. We get strangers on a train. This. Year? Yes. Exactly. Um. Nathaniel writes in and says, I had a comment answered and I'm embarrassed it's a well-actually one. Yeah, this is one of the people who told you Phage's award. Ah. Oh, I couldn't have been the week where I noticed the Mystery Science Theater reference. I'm surprised how many people still reference that show. I go still go back and watch it every once in a while. Yeah, uh, so. Mystery Science Theater is almost religion for us. So. We, we have a handful of things that he and I have in common. Like, we both have things that neither of us, the other one, likes. But yeah. we got a handful of things that we're both super into that you will just always hear us reference. And yeah. that's classic era Simpsons, Mystery Science Theater... I don't know. There's probably other things. Uh, no, nah, it's those two. Okay, that's fair. Uh, aliens that age in reverse has bugged me for a long time. Thank are they, you. Are they born as ancient-looking adults? Ick. It makes me think about a woman 70 years old having a baby, but reverse it. No, I won't. <laughs> yeah, no. It's gross. It's stupid. I hate it. All right. I just, I, uh, I didn't, I mean, it was a stupid, stupid idea. Yep. But sure it was. You know, it was such a good episode that I was willing to forget mm. that. Kind of like a lot of the original series, whereas, like, this is the stupidest concept I've ever seen, but this is a lot of fun. Like, come on, Gangster Planet? 
Oh no, Gangster Planet's awesome. We I left a, Gangster Planet all day. We left a book on a planet, and now everyone talks like Chicago gangsters. How did they get the accent out first, of the book, Matt? First of all, I'm glad you like a book. <laughs> but how did they get the accents and the clothes? That's a good question. Out of a book. It's like I, you know, if someone had left like a copy of The Godfather or something behind, that would have made sense. The and, 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 a, and a way to play it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a primitive VCR. Sure. Uh, or like a subscription to HBO Now. Yep. And they, because um, they're doing that seven hour. Have you heard about that? Mm. There's they they re-edited The Godfather and Godfather Two chronologically and Ooh. added some new deleted scenes Ooh. to make one big seven hour epic. That's pretty cool it sounds cool and it sounds like i don't think i could do it in one sitting no but that sounds pretty cool yeah they left three out i mean like it's one or two yeah no but they have trouble watching the godfather in one chunk so yeah and that's a great fucking movie it's uh, like justifiably listed as one of the best movies you know but yeah apparently this starts with the earliest days in sicily and leads to him coming to america and like it's supposed to be really good and it's on hbo right now so uh, this one comes from Alice, who, oh, this is, uh, she wrote in about childbirth a while back, and we asked her to follow up to see if that episode with childbirth oh, was any better than the okay. complaints she had before. So this is a bit long, but it's supposed to be because we asked for this, All so right. this is our fault. Uh, Do you want me to read it? No, 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 no. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. I don't mind. Uh, greetings, fellow nerds. This email is in response to Al's request during episode 254 that I weigh in on the childbirth scene in Deadlock. A few months ago, I sent in a lengthy rant that was in Supplemental 21, so we're at more than 21 now. Okay, so 22, question. 23, No, we're probably 50, I think. 74? Yeah. 365? Mm-hmm. 18? In it, I talked about how a popular culture often depicts childbirth in a way that emphasizes the needs of the doctor over the needs of the mother. How Star Trek usually, but not always, does this too. This is an important feminist issue because all too often, real women are coerced into accepting medical interventions they don't necessarily want or need because they are conditioned, partially by popular culture, to believe that the doctor knows best, even when the doctor's instructions have more to do with the doctor's convenience than with promoting a smooth delivery. Childbirth in American hospitals is treated as an illness rather than a biological process, so the mother is expected to defer to the doctor in all things instead of listening to her body. This actually causes a lot of problems for mother and baby. I would like to restate my disclaimer from the last email that everything I know about this topic comes from a single introductory women and gender study course I took five years ago. I do not actually know what the fuck I'm talking about. Still doing better than us. Yep. <laughs> you, I, I assume, have a, a uterus, so you are more qualified already than oh, me. Oh, her. Okay. <laughs> you. I'm looking at my computer. All right. As if Alice can hear me right now. As if Alice was a computer you were talking to. Yeah, right. exactly. This episode depicts the most medical intervention of any Star Trek birth, C-section via beaming. I'm not counting when Bashir beamed Keiko's baby into Kira because that was prenatal surgery, not birth. Mm. Also, it was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. Overuse of C-section is a big problem for mothers and babies in the 21st century. A lot of hormonal processes in both the mother and baby are stimulated by pushing the baby through the birth canal. These hormonal processes promote, among other things, maternal-infant bonding. It is not impossible for a mother and infant to bond after a C-section, but it does take more conscious effort on the part of the baby, uh, oh, sorry, on the part of the mother, which can cause depression and feelings of inadequacy. Mm. Conscious effort. I, I've read about this stuff, too, where, like, there's a weird sort of almost telepathic bond. Yeah. It's not that like that, but, it, like, the chemical bond between a mother and a baby happens on a level that we're only sort of just starting to understand. The, weird. Like, yeah, it's it's really cool, and it sounds sort of sci-fi alien-y, but it's 
a real thing. I know I've heard that like C-sections are happening way more now. Right. Because it's just easier. Well, yeah. And that's kind of what she's getting at is like the TV and such tends mm. to focus on the convenience of the doctor. You know, they pull out the intestines and just put them in a pile and then scoop them back in later. Sure, that's what they do. Yeah. I assume. Um, Gotta get them out of the way. There are a lot of excellent reasons to deliver via C-section. Unfortunately, something like one in three mothers in the U.S. has a C-section, and a lot of those are not medically necessary. I'll spare you the specifics of why and how it keeps happening, but if you're curious, I recommend the documentary The Business of Being Born. My point is that having a C-section is a really big fucking deal. Even in the future, doing it with beaming carries a risk of complications, and these do actually kill the first baby of... Edson Wild... Lieutenant Wild Man! Is it, it, is, it is Lieutenant, yeah. It right. might be, I'm not sure. I don't know. I thought it was Ensign. I, it doesn't. You just promoted her. That's fine. Yeah. Good job, Ensign. Wow, man. <laughs> you didn't have it, and then wow. you like, wow. For the most part, I like the way the doctor explains why the baby needs to be beamed out. They've given a vaginal delivery the old college try. There's a complication that necessitates an intervention. The doctor tells Kess, and she asks a pertinent question. Can they turn the baby? The doctor politely explains why that won't work, rather than expecting Kess and the audience to accept his judgment, because he is the almighty doctor. My only nitpick was that this exchange is that Ensign Wild Man is not part of it. Golf course. <laughs> we never see Kess or the doctor ask her permission before beaming the baby out. I'm sure she was fine with it because her insides are being stabbed out by Demon Spawn's horns. Oh, God, yes. I forgot about the horns. I didn't. That's oh, no. why they did that. Oh, no, my horns. <laughs> but they still should have asked because it's her body, her baby, and her choice. A poor woman. I did not like that before they decided to beam the baby out, the doctor keeps telling Ensign... <laughs> to push. Unless something is not working the way it should, body will tell her in no uncertain terms when it is time to push. Pushing too soon can cause all kinds of nasty problems with the mother's down there parts. I do love that snaps at him. You push, damn it. I'm sick of pushing. Another thing. Once again, the baby... Once again, the baby catcher tries to take some of the credit for getting the baby out. As I mentioned in my last email, this usually pisses me off to no end because catching the baby is peanuts comparing to pushing it out of yourself. I, I buy that. I mean, sure, fresh squeezed babies are slippery and easy to drop, but that just means the delivery should happen close to the floor, or failing that, over a trampoline. <laughs> That's the thing. This, these long emails, like, they don't have to be dry. Alice is putting a little effort into making it funny, so maybe some of you others could yeah, do that. Yeah, just, just saying. Uh, however, since he actually beamed the baby out, this is one time that it's okay for the doctor to claim some of the credit. But that's it. No more after this. Also... Oh! is showing pushing while lying flat on her back. What the fuck, Star Trek? We talked about this. <laughs> okay, in fairness, Alice, I don't think Star Trek can hear us from our vantage point in, on a podcast in the future. But we have talked about this, yes. Also, this isn't really about the birth, but I don't buy that... See ya, folks. <laughs> ...is just fine once she gets the replacement baby. I believe she would accept it, raise it as her own, but I don't think she would act like nothing happened. She's got to be pretty messed up about it. Mm. But something tells me the fact that her own baby died will never be mentioned again. You are correct. Yours in Banjo Man, Alice. Thank you, Alice. That was That, that was, great. was great. Also, she she is quite correct. Yeah. I tell Alice I want to subscribe to her newsletter. Mm. She is the one who wrote in specifically to say more Amanda, please. Oh, I, she's right about so many things. <laughs> yep. Uh, this one also comes from Brian, right. and he says, So I imagine after my last email, where I admitted to liking Neelix's TV show, uh, there's probably a voodoo doll of me hung up in your recording room. Nah. Nah. 
uh, that you can repeatedly stab every time you see Neelix. No, we just want to stab Neelix. Yeah, no. Stabbing a voodoo doll of a listener who likes Neelix yeah, is like five. That's too many. St- that's way, way too many yeah. degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Believe it or not, we'll I'm ready to stab Neelix and then eat him. You'll eat him. Huh? Perfectly legal. I don't know, given some of my recent health concerns, if that is wise. I feel like Neelix is probably high in carbs and may not be suitable for all. All I can think. I of just it. don't want to eat Neelix. All I can think of is Diabelix. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm writing about another Neelix episode. Oh, Tuvix. So feel oh, yeah, free to stick one. another pin in the voodoo doll. No, we nah, like that we episode. Like two books. As I mentioned previously, I started a Voyager rewatch about a year ago and got all the way to the end of season two before stopping. I kind of remember hating this episode the first time around, but I really enjoyed it this time. Mm-hmm. The actor playing Tuvix brought out the best traits in both characters. While I really would have missed Tuvok, I almost wanted him to stick around permanently. That's two. As always, thanks for providing a bit of entertainment on my Monday morning commute. Nope, Tuvix is great. I am still amazed by how much we liked that. Yeah, it's just bizarre. It's not, it shouldn't be. It's the thing that shouldn't be. Yeah, like that Metallica song. Yeah. Uh, This one comes from Dalton. Hi, Alan Matt. I've been telling myself, do not send them this. That's weird for literally months, but I think now is the right time. I lose that argument or win it. Anyway, hi, yes. I made a DS9 music video to one of those songs that everyone makes music videos to. Uh, I'm not looking for a plug or anything. We'll plug it. We'll throw this in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, I just really like making music videos, and listening to Pa became an essential part of my experience during my first watch of the series. I don't know. I thought it might be cool to throw something possibly entertaining your way, sort of as a thank you. Yeah. Thanks, man. We will absolutely throw that in there. You need to understand how much uh, homemade music videos on the internet got me into the music I listen to now. (laughs) There were a lot of anime music videos I watched back in just out of high school uh, that affected my musical taste now, so you're doing the Lord's work. I'm just, like, you watched videos on the internet after high school? Like, it, I had to be about 30 before mm-hmm. that was a thing. No, it took forever to download them. Okay. My buddy Mark had a ton of them, like, saved on CDs that we just watched. Ah, there, that, that's fair. Uh, this one comes from Mikolaj, I believe. Mm. Is that how you say that? Dear Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> letters to Amanda, please. Amanda, get up. No, no, yeah, come on, come on. All right. Just edge Matt out of there. Matt, get out of the way. This is all about me. No. Actually, it's not. What? (laughs) (laughs) How and where did you find your husband? I need a Trekkie husband, too. Especially one on the level to commit to years of a Star Trek podcast. Uh, Dear Amanda, why is your husband so great? (laughs) Signed, The Listeners. I don't like this question at all. This is not but about me. But you can me. see it. It is written to you. Oh, I see it came from your email address. This, all, this all makes sense. Yeah, this all makes true. sense. Do people really want to hear, like, boring, cute, I met my husband stories? Because We met on a comic book message board. That's all they need to do. Yeah. Okay. It Moving was on. beautiful and romantic. <laughs> I will Gross. say we would not have met without Matt. That's true. No, nope, you owe that, me. No, <laughs> because you would not have met your wife without me. It's true. So it's sort of like... Wingmen. Yes. <laughs> Ensign Wingman! <laughs> Mealy Mow! All right, get back okay. up there, Matt. Bye, then. This one comes from Adrian. Haven't heard <sighs> from him in a while. Adrian. Adrian, who filled in yes. for you that one time My we sick, mentioned. My uh, sick episode. What episode was that? Shades of Grey. Incorrect. That was my memory as well. You were not Shades of Gr- no, no, it was the neutral zone. Yeah, it was the first the, season yeah. finale, not the second season yes, finale. Yes, that was it. My memory was also that it was the neutral zone, and I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, neutral zone was not a good episode either. No. Also, by not the way... Of, not as bad as Shades of Grey, but still pretty fucking bad. 
it had its moments. Remember, we liked Data and his crazy Texan friend. Yes, uh, but we hated that it was set up as the big, the Romulans come back, and they were in the episode for a second and go, we're back. Mm-hmm. Where's Tommy? That's right. Oh, Tommy, yeah. Tommy's mommy Tommy was in mommy. that. And she was one of the main Tommy. characters. They actually repurposed her in the Time Cop books. Mm-hmm. The uh, Department uh, of Temporal the, Investigation yeah. books. Her job was to reacquaint people who had been time displaced for various reasons, yeah. frozen or time holes or all the stupid Star Trek shit that happens. Can you imagine a universe where time crap happens that often that you need a person? Yeah, you need to hire someone to help people. Like, that's her job. She goes in every day and deals with somebody who's There's been always somebody displaced. to help because there's just a constant stream of people who are no longer... In their correct time and have to acclimate to the 24th and century. And I mean, even giving her, like, time off to search for Tommy, mm-hmm. like, that's still a lot of your life. I feel like she's Get got, your like, a... your shit together time in Star Trek. <laughs> I feel like she's got a, like, a SETI project thing. Yeah. Like a, like a series of, like, a very large array looking for Tommy. Yep. Or something like that. <laughs> the Tommy SETI array? Yeah. Something like that. Um, let's see. Adrian says, hey, guys, been a while. You mentioned, you mentioned that Tim Russ added Tuvok's nerd rage to his sizzle reel. Mm. Oh, that's right. In the episode where he lost his shit, the uh, the, the first um, episode with what's-his-name, Chucky. The, oh. the killer guy. Oh, um, Brad Dorf? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, where, where he melded and then got a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was really proud of his performance and put that in there. Along these lines... Uh, from these first two seasons, what terrific acting moments do you think Ethan Phillips was able to add to his assuredly terrific sizzle reel? <laughs> Yours in Neelix, which I'm pretty sure is also the name of a st- of streaming movies and TV provider in the world of Star Trek. Adrian, P.S. Ooh, what about Robert Beltran? He brings the sizzle every week. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I would have to go with any scene where Robert Beltran is like, yes, or <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't seem like a good idea, Captain. How about Hakuchi Moya? I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Neelix, boy. What are some so Neelix highlights? Neelix so acting highlights. great Neelix scenes to choose from. I would go with anything from like that first episode where he was not terrible. Oh, we didn't hate him yet. That yeah, doesn't yeah. mean he wasn't terrible. Eh, he's probably fine. You think? Uh, no, I don't want to go back and look, honestly. No, no, I'm not going back, man. Um... Acting highlights, like serious, like where he really okay. Well, there's that one where he whizzed it down his leg, where he was supposed to be a tragic character, and that one episode about him being a coward. Yeah, that's a good one. That was terrible. Um, <laughs> there was the one w- where he laid in a bed and complained about not having lungs. That yep. was terrible. <laughs> um, there was the one where he did not want to have a child and was very mean to his girlfriend. Yes, definitely something I'd put on his Oscar reel. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. For the end of the year when he dies. When he gets an EGOT? Yes. EGOT. Oh no, my EGOT. Stemlo. <laughs> what? <laughs> from EGOT. Oh. No, I was. Th- it's from uh, 30 Rock, and I'm sure from other things. Mm. It's Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Yeah. When you get all the, all the awards. Which uh, Ethan Phillips totally deserves. Uh-huh. Because he's great. He sure is still working. I see him in everything all yep. the time, and I hate it. And now you notice him more, too. Oh, like, just the worst. Robert Beltran, the thing is, he could be in everything. He yeah. could be playing this table for all I know. And it's like, nah, I think this table has better quality acting chops. I don't know. Maybe if you paint a tattoo on this table. Well, there's um, a small child's graffiti on the bottom. That's basically the same yeah. thing, right? 
Uh, this one comes from Paul. I'm not sure if you guys realize the amount of licensed crap that Star Trek skin has been shoveled onto mobile platforms. We have Star Trek the Puzzle Game, Star Trek the Life Sim, Star Trek the Sim Tower Clone. Oh, that I would actually probably play. Largely, these games exist to suck your soul out while wishing for the glory days of Elite Forces and Bridge Commander. Mm. However, there has been cause for hope the last few months when we started getting news of Star Trek Timelines. Uh Uh-oh. This game promised to blow their... Oh, you do it. Blow their minds! With intersecting timelines, multiple versions of characters, coherent storylines, and voiceover by the lovable John Delancey. Well, rest assured, this is yet another game with massive potential that fails to deliver. It sure does. In some ways, this is a harder pill to swallow than games with a Star Trek skin, because at least those games have some semblance of fun. This game pisses down its legs so much that it's long since removed its pants and is happily standing in a stagnant pool of urine. Excuse me, stagnant puddle of urine. Want to make sure I get that right. This game fails at even being a Star Trek game, the thing it was supposed to do from the get-go. Now, I could get into a long, boring dissertation of why this game is terrible, but I'll put an end of terms that any PA fan can appreciate. My top two crew members are Rom and Nog. Rom needs to advance because he's my best engineer. I can't advance Rom any further because he doesn't have space pancakes equipped. What? I can only get said pancakes by defeating a bird of prey in a space battle. Said space battle plays out largely by itself and is somehow more interactive than sleeping, but less than walking. Also, this space battle is against Alice- Alexander Rojenko, who is thrown in with the shitty Soong from Enterprise. What? And it has been elevated to augment status. Alexander still sucks after even being genetically modified. I mean, he was beaten in a battle by pancakeless ramen nog. There's nothing about this paragraph that I have made up. Please stay away. <laughs> Paul. Now, I, w- I will say... I did get this game because it said Star Trek and it was free. Mm. It's got in-app purchases, which I fucking hate, but thankfully I was not prompted to do any. Hey, of you know, you, for only a uh, hundred bucks, you can buy a hundred donuts. That'll you can use that to get the quality characters or pancakes, as or apparently pancakes. Yeah, are those maybe the creatures from Operation Annihilate? God, I hope so. That would be the amazing. flying pancakes the on space strings. Pancakes, yeah, exactly. The, the the fake barf. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, I, Captain, I am quite blind. The thing is, it's... Luckily, I have extra eyes. <laughs> oh no, my eyes! Those aren't extra eyes, Mr. Spock. You stole them from Neelix. Good. <laughs> and are you eating the rest of him? Nope. Nope. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> no more horror. I don't play... What? No more horror. Are you eating paste? Oh. <laughs> I don't play video games. <laughs> So Aside from the occasional Transformers game, yeah. I, which mostly I just mash buttons or ask Amanda to help, but yeah. Amanda beat this. I beat the first one and I beat the second one up until the boss fight, the last boss, and she needed to help me with that. that was Amanda, it. this boss is too hard. He yep. keeps turning into a harder boss. Yep. Do you have this on double easy? <laughs> <laughs> you had some trouble with one of those two, as I recall. Yeah, when the game didn't like when there was supposed to be a door that wasn't there. No, there was a there was a boss I couldn't beat that you had some trouble with for a while. But I still beat it. Yeah, yeah, because you play video games. I refuse to feel bad about this. I spend my time more. I spend my time more productively than that. In any case, I tried playing this game. Is with video I, games a masculine thing? I thought it was mostly for girls. Well, it's moving that way. Mm. No, they're fake gamer girls. Mm. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Anyway, um, no, I thought this was supposed to be like a casual type game, but it's one of those games where numbers just mysteriously float up for some reason, and mm. I don't know what the fuck that means, and I got confused and quit. You probably yeah. would know what it meant, but I have no clue. I don't want to play it. That sounds terrible. Did you hear what he said about Ram and Nog having a ship together? No, no, no. He chose, though. You can choose. 
your crew from across all the shows, from all the whatevers, and he just chose... Okay, but he still had to fight Soong and Alexander, the dream team. Actually, okay. I would watch an episode about those guys. The thing is, it's got John Delancey leading you through. Mm. And the idea is that Q has assembled these guys from across timelines or whatever. I don't know. It's a dumb setup, but, like, in theory, it could be fun. Mm. It's not. This is the game that was reviewed on Kotaku recently, where the guy gave us a very yes. generous plug. So we Thank you again that. for that. Yeah. Please do it more often. <laughs> no, once a year is about right. <laughs> Too much, and those people are going to be like, ugh, stop talking about that. Stop talking about it and start listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said the two podcasts I listen to, so now we got some kind of competition or something. We're I coming for you, other Star Trek podcasts. Anyway, uh, at the same time, though, I downloaded a couple of others. I happened to be in the App Store. I did a search for Star Trek. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, let me try this. Let me try this. Uh, they were all pretty much terrible, um, like this guy says. Yep. Star, Star Trek Tris. Yes. No, that would be okay. There was a Star Trek uh, Bejeweled clone. Of course there was. There's always a Bejeweled clone. But it wasn't a fortune in precious stones, so they really, like, wasted an opportunity there. Because I could have traded them for a hand phaser or a good solid club then. Um, I never stopped enjoying that. No. It's been five years. Yeah, six years. Six years. Um, it was easily one of our oldest jokes. Yeah. It may have started before, mm -hmm. actually, come to think of it. Um, but the other thing that I got was the official CBS Star Trek pad simulator. Oh, that's kind of cool. Which is not as comprehensive as Memory Alpha, mm. but close. It's and got a lot of- less ads? With no ads. It doesn't crash my pad. Uh-huh. My, my iPad. My pad. <laughs> your your swinging 60s pad. Yeah, right. Yeah, baby. Shagadelic. And um, it has the voice of Majel Barrett from time to time, mm. which they recycled from the old uh, Star Trek interactive tech manual. I don't sure. remember that. No, I remember. It was a CD-ROM. Like Deep Space Nine era. So. No, it was next gen. It really? was wander through the corridors of the Enterprise D. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. It was like it was an interactive tech manual yeah. for the Enterprise D. And she would say, this is engineering. Da-da-da-da-da-da. This is engineering. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> uh, let's see. This one comes from Lauren. And he says, man, you guys and gals have been firing on all cylinders lately. I eagerly tune in each week, not necessarily to hear about an episode of Voyager, <laughs> but specifically to hear someone say, blow their minds, or, oh, no, my lung, and, wow, thing. Now, he specifically requested guitar riff. Me that's better. Squeedly squaw. Seriously, this is funny stuff. Your pop pal, Lauren. Lauren is the dude who drew us that awesome uh, uh, Kira and Ducat Roadrunner. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna agree with you because I love the oh no my whatever joke as I've said numerous times. I, that it's was seriously favorite. just a one off thing for me that I'm I'm happy took off but was not ever intended to be like. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, this one comes from Spurious K. That is a great it's name. A good rap name. Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone who is not Armus. How are you? Oh, fuck you, guy. <laughs> Armus would never say that. Oh, that's not cool, man. That's better. <laughs> What'll I ever do to you, buddy? I am Come a fairly. Let's go out to a movie. I'll make you feel better about yourself. I'll buy you dinner. You feel great. That's better. I'm Armus. I'm your friend. Skin of evil. Good night, folks. <laughs> Here I go into the nut. You done? <laughs> yes. Okay. No, you're not. 
I'm a fairly new listener, starting only in late October 2015, though I've gone through nearly all the back catalogs since then. With Voyager, it's been interesting to hear you suffering less than expected. It's been <laughs> interesting for us, too. Yeah, we've been enjoying the not suffering a lot. I do have some concerns that it's not the bad episodes that will get you in the long run. I'm honestly amazed that your coverage of the dreaded threshold did not turn into a gigantic rant of everything that it got wrong about everything, mm-hmm. even its own premise and internal logic. Well, that, that just goes to the larger Brennan Braga, yeah. you know. <laughs> But rather, I think what might be the thing to get you is the inevitable grinding mediocrity and endless repetition of people learning another lesson about how to be human. Chakotay does something boring and probably offensive. Brandon Braga does his thing. Technobabble saves the day again, and so on. But given how you've managed so far to find enjoyment in mostly dire second season, I think I have hope that you'll make it to at least the end mostly sane state. Regarding Kess, I too remember not really liking her very much. I also remember not disliking her much either, which is more I can say for half the cast. I suspect she suffered a lot by proxy for being stuck with the reprehensible pile of mobile garbage that is Neelix. Oh no, my trash pile. <laughs> Madam Trash Heap. <laughs> Spoilers for season three first episode. Oh boy. And in the season three opening episode, Neelix... Oh, you know what? I don't want to read this yet. I'm sorry. I appreciate you writing in with your uh, thoughts, but we haven't gotten there yet. Kess's final appearance, after she left the series as a regular character and was really, really bad, I suspect this soured a lot of people to her as several years after she had left, came back just to be a huge dickhead to everyone for no real reason. Oh, well, nice. That's unfortunate. Anyway, Tuvix. Oh, Tuvix. Oh, Tuvix. It was a good episode. Unfortunately, it really helped put me off following the show in a regular manner. Voyager had struggled to have characters I actually liked, doubly so with DS9 running at the same time, but Tuvix cemented that the show would straight up kill a likable character with no good justification presented in the story other than to preserve the status quo. Mm. The scene on the bridge of the end was not just harrowing for the pleading, it showed that everyone was completely unwilling to question the captain and just let it happen. Yep. I cannot say the same would have happened with any other crew. Just imagine the crew of DS9 would have handled it, even if they came to the same conclusion of needing the main characters back. Uh, that episode's end for me was still a huge defining moment for the character of the entire show, and not in a good way. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. No, you make a good point. I have the same issue with a forthcoming episode mm. of uh, 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 Year of Hell, the two-parter. Yes. Where... I haven't seen it, but I am aware of it. Over the course of the entire first part and most of the second part, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. Yeah. And then they hit a big reset button and everything's yeah. fine. It's, it's like, here's the premise we always wanted where they're barely limping home and everyone's in serious danger yeah. and what are they going to do next? No, it's all fine now. Yeah. I did not care for that. That's I checked back in. Don't don't do that. It's don't do that. It's it's the problem I had with the spare Voyager after they killed off Ensign ah! character. Are we just gonna get all that out of your system ah! and you're never gonna do it again? No, I'm always gonna do it again because I okay. love it. But okay. this is like the eighty fifth time I've done it today, so Do you need some water? Yeah. This one comes from Fiona again. Mm. It says, Oh man, loved your episode, and I assume this is uh directed at Tidro who had joined us for the Thaw. Ah, yes. I thought the thaw was going to be something like, I have no mouth, but I must scream. Mm-hmm. And I was so disappointed it wasn't. Uh, now, I know that's a <laughs> story. What, what, what happens in that? Talking about my <laughs> wife? No. <laughs> Your wife is, <laughs> that writer is. <laughs> uh, that is the short story about the computer that takes over the entire planet and kills everyone except for like four people. Okay. That it tortures for all eternity and just keeps alive. and So keeps it's the Matrix. Back to life. Yeah, kind of. Okay. But don't say they'll get sued by Harlan Ellison. Yeah. It's Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. Don't tell anyone. Especially not him. Um, Also, I thought the doc was the first choice to go into the computer, and I was surprised when they put Kim and Taurus. I'm surprised when they make Harry Kim do anything. He's a special boy? I guess. 
<laughs> was actually surprised by his appearance, although I assumed they were just going to do it. I love the doc, and I'm always glad to see him do something. Anyway, hope you guys have a good night. Take care. Thanks. We did, and we will. We must. Uh, let's see. Spurious K writes in again, says, P.S., Given your surprisingly frequent ref- references to it, I feel obligated to inform you that Homestar Runner lives. Oh, yeah, I, I, we know. I'm Al, Al kept the torch going. Damn the right. The little thumbs up torch going for <laughs> yep. many years yes. after we'd all given up. No, they came back not on a regular basis, but yes, they have come yep. back. Also, they are doing a thing called uh, Two More Eggs. Two More Eggs. Two, two More Eggs, which is um, it's like they're like a minute and 30 seconds each, but they do one a week and they've been doing them for... Almost a year now, so that's a fair pile of stuff now, if you're into that. This one comes from Matthew. Not you, different Matthew. You didn't write to us. No, because you said Matthew. Right. Unless this is from my mom. Matthew. (laughs) Matthew. (laughs) I recently discovered the show, and I love it. Oh, thank you. It has just the attitude and requisite swearing that I like in my Star Trek reviews. Oh, fucking thank you. (laughs) Unlike the other podcasts I found, Cough Roddenberry Jr. Cough. We know. Oh, I guess I should have read that differently. <laughs> That's why Harlan Keep up the good work and keep your head up through the dregs of Voyager. I the thing is, here here's like let's talk about this for a minute. The whole Voyager sucks thing, whatever. Yeah. It's definitely way better than we expected. It is. Will you will you agree that Absolutely. Uh, like we expected just for maybe one what we were told by our friends who had seen it before was maybe one good episode a season. Yeah. Like seven episodes through the whole series. There's been way more. There's than been that. definitely more than that. It's still, of the shows we've watched so far, it's still my least favorite. True. Um, I don't imagine the the ratio of good episodes to bad episodes is going to improve that much. No. So we're looking at a half, a third to a half being good. Yeah. And there's definitely, there's not that excitement I used to get. No. Leading up to new stuff where, like, when we were watching original series or TNG or DS9, it was like, ooh, I get to watch this. Yeah. And a lot of times it was like, as soon as we would wrap up recording, I would go watch the next yeah. ones because I'd be excited. And now it's like, well, I guess I better get this over with. And often I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Way more than I expected, which yep. is nice. I think there are friends of ours, uh, regular guests on the show, who have not cared for a lot. Like, they've been... Harsher toward it than we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Which thinking of Flonk and Gav both. Yeah. Who, that's that's totally fine. That's how you feel about it. But yep. also, we got to do this every week. And I don't know, I can't speak for both of us, but I'm kind of trying to look for stuff to like. Yeah. I don't, we, we said this before too. I don't want to do a show where we're just coming on every week and complaining. That's going to get old real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll call out the bullshit and we'll make jokes. But I want to, for my own sake, because I spend so much time doing this, I don't want to be miserable. Yeah. I want to find something to like. There'll be time for that when we get to Enterprise. I think that's just going to be boring. I honestly do. Yep. From my experience, my previous experience, I, I didn't stop because I hated it. I stopped because I was bored. Mm-hmm. But who knows? It's been a long time. We'll, we will definitely have time for that. Oh, here is a letter from Mallory D. <laughs> I like the attention. <laughs> you don't say. Who says, this is the first Star Trek I've watched, mostly because Matt and I live in the same house. I tend to find that most episodes have a pretty interesting premise that either fail to deliver on said premise or do so in a really lazy, obvious way. That being said, is there one fundamental thing or person you would slash could change to elevate the show? Excellent question, Internet Stranger. (laughs) I would kill Neelix and then eat him. If there's one thing that we've learned this time, <laughs> it's that I have an old truck I like to work on. The last time it was the duck hat, this time. Oh, yeah, the duck hat. You know what? No, that was a duck hat. There is a thing we forgot to mention, mm. I think, 
maybe we brought it up. I don't know. But I, I'll bring it up again in the season season two finale. Yes. Uh, they referred to being attacked by the Kazon as being pecked to death by ducks. Sinister ducks. No, just ducks. Just ducks. They're not even sinister. I just, I still like that. I still, the image of ducks pecking at Voyager. Yeah. Until. I, exactly. It would not do any damage whatsoever. Plus they have a, a force field, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't even be pecking at the hull. They'd just be bouncing off an energy field six inches off the hall. I would still rather watch Voyager get attacked by ducks than by Kazon. Fair Kazon enough. Kazon suck. Okay, so if you had to change one thing, as, as Internet Stranger just suggested. <sighs> I don't know, because I one, really like making fun of the Kazon. You have created a lot of good material on that front. With, with their hillbilly. I don't think we've had hillbillies for an extended period nope, before. No, they're, so. definitely, they're definitely the hillbillies of the Delta Quadrant. Mm-hmm. Fucking making moonshine in the back of their crappy trucks. See, I would definitely, if if one thing, I would change, maybe not specifically the Kazon, but I would at least throw some more better adversaries in there. Or, like, if we have to have a running plot of someone's coming for them. See, that's I like the Vidians. I think they're a great choice for that. Well, they've been in it a lot. Yeah. No, so. I think I think they're great. I think their race has a really cool uh, concept, like the having to steal organs thing. Yeah, I agree. I I guess the other thing is, and we talked about this before we even got to this show, is mm. the just commit to the idea that they're out there alone and things are scary, and every time something goes wrong, they're stuck with that. Yeah. Like, there's never really a sense of danger. No, like they, if they like. At the beginning, they said we have however many torpedoes they said they have. Yeah, and then they, someone should be keeping account in the writers' room so that eventually they run out, and then oh fuck, what do we do? Yeah, now? or uh, shuttlecraft, same thing. There should only be like five shuttlecraft. Yeah, if someone steals one, blows one yeah. up, whatever, then that's it. They only have this many left, yep. and now they have to figure out a creative way to solve that problem. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica did a pretty good job of that. Yeah, where they counted how many people there were and how much resources. No, that was they one of the had. cool things about Battlestar was that every episode started with a running tally of how many people were still alive. Right. But I feel like Voyager could do a better job of, instead of using those to facilitate the plot, mm. they could make it part of the running narrative that this week we are out of food. Instead yeah. of, we have to go to this planet because, I don't know, we're out of food. Well, it's yeah, it's like, let's go pick flowers again. Yeah. Lot Orch- of, oh, excuse me, orchids. Orchids. A lot of orchids in Voyager. Voyager loves orchids. Like, a lot. Mm-hmm. Any, any other no, that's changes it. you would make? No. All right. Less orchids, more danger. Yes. Shake Less hands orchids. with danger. <laughs> uh, Justin. Guy I used to know. <laughs> I now used they to call laugh me. at danger. Now they call me Three-Fingered Joe. Uh, I bring that up because we haven't sung it in forever. That's true. Uh, Justin writes in and says, If I had a gun with two bullets and I was in a room with Hitler, Khan, and Samantha Baby, I would shoot the baby twice. <laughs> You just wait. She's going to hyperage and might be assistant captain. Wesley may have found his queen. Oh God! I, I thought you were serious for a second. That's what does. This is what the listener has said. I have not seen. I can't. He might be making this. I don't think so. I've talked to this guy on Twitter and, and mm. Facebook and such, and he seems like if he says that, it's probably going to happen. Uh what? Oh, oh, seriously? oh, you've seen that? Uh, Caitlin's seen ahead as well. So. What? What? No! <laughs> we will. We will. Uh, Roxanne Biggs Dawson, or Higgs Boson, or whatever. Yeah, Higgs Boson. Ooh, I didn't. I read this 
earlier, but I didn't. I was not aware of it prior to reading this email. Gets the Biggs hyphen from Casey Demar Biggs. Oh, Casey Biggs, who played Demar. No kidding. Is her husband? Oh, that's so. Was her husband? Uh, that's so cool. Think their divorce was caused by the fact that his tertiary recurring character was much more popular and successful than her regular gig. I, I do, like Bolana, and I like Bolana a lot. I, she's like my third favorite character on the show. Yep, but is she better than Demar? No. I would be hard pressed to name like Demar's better than some next gen characters. Demar's yep. better than some original. Demar is one of the finest characters in Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, instead of that, Kazon pulling off his toenail. Ah, no. And making me want to throw up. Wouldn't this have been a better use of Michael Jonas, Voyager's traitor, and the whole Tom Paris subplot trying to root him out? What you mean, blow him up, blow up his toe, rip off his toe? I rip off his toe. Uh, let's see. Give chaos on the bridge a chance. <laughs> It's streaming on Netflix, and it's the whole Gene's vision is bullshit thing. Oh, yeah, I, I know about this, but it's that made-by-William Shatner documentary, and I'm reluctant to watch it because it's made by Shatner. Uh, so Old Sulu hates the Trek Beyond trailer. It's mm. not – oh, do your do it, your Sulu here. It's not saying anything about the society like we used to in the show. You know, like the time Kirk fist-fought Finnegan for 40 minutes on yep. a rock while Bones was chasing a white rabbit. Yep. And there was the time they chased a Romulan bird of prey up and down the neutral zone, blindly firing phasers until not Sarek blew himself up. And the time Kirk was split into evil and good Kirk because, like Dr. Hibbert said, there is, in fact, an evil gene. <laughs> <laughs> That's more Barney Rubble than Dr. Hibbert. Oh, uh, damn. <laughs> hey, Fred. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it interesting that the left or sinister twin... <laughs> Hugo's scar is on the wrong side. <laughs> So, give it up with the Gene's visionary vision thing, George. Mm -hmm. The only time you commented on society were things like uh, proving Kirk giving fire sticks to primitive villagers to fight the Viet Klingons. Uh, and the time the I think Riddler. You mean the, Vi the Viet Klongs. And the time the Riddler ran through the ship like an idiot. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you're watching the season three premiere and second episode. Nope, not yet. Um, yes, we, we know about. Uh, Salute. Yes. Oh, and stop using the Vulcan salute. Oh, he's still talking to George. Stop using the Vulcan salute when you take pictures. You weren't a Vulcan. You were the Enterprise's Uber driver. It makes you look stupid. He knows we don't personally know George uh, George Decay, right? I don't know. Uh, well, we don't. Flonk says, since you jerks love Voyager so much, are you now looking forward to my beloved Enterprise? No, it's terrible. I literally thought this was going to be, since you jerks love Voyager so much, why don't you marry it? Um, And Flonk also says, that dude is wrong. Naomi... Ah! Is the most metal kid in the quadrant. <laughs> Caitlin, agree, disagree? She's kind of metal. Like, she's is she made of metal? She's just like weird. Colossus? Uh, I don't know. They never tell you what she's made of. Mm. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. It was a real, real wasted opportunity there. Mm. Uh, Barkeron, who wrote in to correct you about Phage before, uh -huh. says, Yay, one of my comments appeared on the show. Finally, I am somebody. I must tell mom. And why, yes, I do hate fun. <laughs> tell your mom I said hi. I, I also hate fun. Uh, Chaos Ticket writes in to say, I'm surprised it took you so long. Oh, this is about resolutions when mm. she and Chicote are on the planet. Yes. I'm surprised it took you so long to talk about Janeway and sex. Do you think she's the dominant one in bed while she rides Commander Chalk after putting him in handcuffs? Do you think Seven of Nine caused the show to jump the shark, or was she actually good? We, we haven't I don't remember anything yet. about Seven of Nine other than the boner I had for her back when <laughs> the show was I on the air. I seriously have only seen the finale with her in it. Like, I had stopped watching by the time she joined, so I know nothing apart from yeah. internet memes and Caitlin's raves. I have... Her literal raves that yeah. she throws while we dance to, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I have literally read more Trek novels with Seven of Nine in them than I've seen episodes with her in. Well, because the novels are set post-Voyager yeah. and she's part of the group She can just now, be so. around. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, Although I haven't read that novel where she goes back in time to meet Captain Kirk. I was about to say. terrible. Yeah. Every time, because this is a perpetuating circle thing. I go on Amazon and I look at stuff and it recommends a, a Star Trek Kindle book or two. Like, okay, I'll check mm. it out. Because they get this whole thing now where they're doing ebook only yeah. shorter like novellas. Oh, that reminds me. I want to get to something when we're done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I always look. Yeah. And that then tells it that's what I'm interested in. So the next time it will show them to me again and I will never stop seeing these. And they always look terrible, but I always look. Yep. And that one comes up a lot. And it's like, ooh, ah. so this looks terrible. Yeah. It's a weird, like, um, 60s-looking book cover, too. Like, it looks like the old uh, original series novels. It just has Seven of Nine in the background. Mm-hmm. Just, like, sort of waving at Kirk. <laughs> this one comes from Mallory D. Oh, I want to do the... Oh, yeah, of yeah. course. What do you... Um, so, I recently finished reading the newest of Peter David's New Frontier books, mm-hmm. uh, which is a series you know I've been reading forever and a big fan. Like, they're my favorite. They've been around for a billion years. Um, so, I'm done with those now. Done as in you wash your hands in, of them, or I, as in they're, they're yeah, over? Uh, no. Oh, okay. They're still, as far as I know, they're still coming out. I'm finished, though. What did he do? Um, because this recent one had, uh, so there's been a history in those books of people having kids, and those kids getting super accelerated so that they could become adults who join the crew. That's happened twice. Um, and then we, one of the characters just disappeared from the show, or the book, we also had um, the half the Romulan character become seized by Romulan Pon Far, rape the captain, him be fine with that because it's Romulan Pon Far and that makes it okay. Her continue to serve on the ship and now be pregnant with a baby that I am sure will be hyper accelerated to join the crew next in the next book. I'm out. Okay, so for those who don't know, Peter mm-hmm. David has done many, many, many things in Peter his David- long career. Is a long and accomplished writer. Yes, but he has primarily worked in Marvel Comics. Yes, this all sounds like X Men. He to is me. also he's he's also been a novelist for a long like okay. he's been writing real novels. Okay, but this sure sounds like time. about a million X Men right? comics to me. So you know, like that there's no difference between this and all the other stuff. But it's like he's it's, working in. I guess my biggest thing is just the rape. The rape. Okay, which just came out of nowhere. Hmm. Um and. Was a problem for about ten seconds in the book before everyone just decided, yeah. nah, it's fine. That's not. I forgive you. And then you know, a baby, again. Yeah. No. Um. I I'm I'm done. Peter David, wherever you are, I know you watch. <laughs> you have given me a lot of joy over the years. I'm a big fan of your Hulk comics. I'm done. I, I liked a lot of his early Trek novels, actually. Yep. I liked uh, Vendetta quite yep. a bit. I liked uh, Q, Q Square. Q Square is an amazing fucking uh, Trek novel. I see your Q Squared, and I raise you one Q in law. Yep, that's a good one, too. Where Loxana Troy is given the power of Q and uses it to try to seduce Captain Picard. Yep. It is amazing. But I'm out. Our, our other friend who I have yet to call out, uh, Robert, is sitting here, and he just gave me a look of, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the look? I, I read that wrong? <laughs> ah, fair enough. Oh, really? Fair enough. Uh, I just, I had it in the back of my head. I've introduced everyone and I didn't yeah. say Robert's here yet. That's not, that's not like waiting for something. Some, so that, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're recording. We well, also have been recording for like a hundred years. Yeah. Well, I'm also reviewing Trek stuff I've been reading lately. Uh, Star Trek versus Planet of the Apes isn't very good either. 
That is my surprised face, Internet. <laughs> it was definitely worth the $5 I paid for it. Uh, so Mal says, guys, I was just looking up who Damar is because I didn't remember. And it turns out the actor is in an Enterprise blues band, which writes and performs songs about Star Trek. This seems important. I don't know about it being important. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone in Star Trek at some point has made music about Star Trek. Yep. What was the name of uh, Data or uh, Brett Spiner's uh, old yellow eyes is back, (laughs) which is a good a good title. Yep, admittedly. Uh, Kevin writes in and says Neelix soap, referring to when Uh, he had no, I remember would smell like patchouli overwhelmed with body odor. (laughs) Concur. All right, so Tidro, get on that. Get us our Neelix soap. Please don't. I, I bet she could probably buy body odor. Like, oh, no. Like scented oil, too. Mm, if anyone could pull that off, Tidro could. I just don't want her to. <laughs> Lauren says, hi again. Listening to the recent episode with Tidro, I came to realize something very pleasant about the show. In said episode, the hosts and guests flat out disagree on the subject of Harry Kim. Sure do. And still, you were able to present your own opinions, each in turn and uninterrupted, without devolving into a group of bickering five-year-olds shouting insults at each other on the school playground. Bravo! You have mastered the art of civilized, intelligent argument! Something which is completely absent from most of those political debate shows on Fox News, CNN, etc. My faith in humanity is once again justified. Boy, way to lay the the pressure on. Yeah, facts. So his faith in humanity rests entirely on our shoulders. (laughs) Who boy. Now, we we talked about this early on. We do not want to be the show that just like yell, like yells at each other, calls each other names. What's the point of that? And what's the point of having guests if they just agree yeah. with us? I hate arguments. I hate them. Yeah, but they make me super stressed out. But you have gotten better at asserting your yes. differing opinion because you know I'm not going to yell at you. Because what's the point? <laughs> yeah, now that I know, now that we're uh, six years in, and I know you're not going to just throw me off the show. You know, I wouldn't have done that anyway. I know in my mind. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> your your horrible anxiety. Let me go show you my jar of anxiety medication. No, that's okay. It, do you keep it in the Spock? Because I do. Be... Can I have a couple of those? <laughs> Just shake it out on the table. Yeah, uh, like a big giant Pez dispenser. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, that would be awesome. Yeah, we're gonna have to fly through these because we are almost the two hour mark. Oh my and god, we have like a day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if any of you watching on the stream have stuff, now is the time. Yeah, we're going to kind of fly gonna, through these last few questions yeah. here. Uh, Ryan writes in, I continue to enjoy your podcast, even with some of the horrors we've seen on Voyager. Watching last week's resolution, Kate and Chuck get stuck on a stormy planet, if that didn't tip you off. I began to wonder about something you also touched on. You brought mm. up the fact that apparently they just left all their junk on the planet, which just seemed to be a violation of the Prime Directive. My question is, how far do you think it goes? After all, wouldn't their presence on the planet be interfering with that monkey Kate kept? Trying, oh, Kate kept trying to woo? <laughs> what if that monkey would eventually have been the evolutionary ancestor of an intelligent species? Uh, what if it was the bugs they kept trapping? To extend the prime directive to the extreme, then the Federation probably shouldn't be colonizing and terraforming anything other than completely lifeless planets. Just curious as to your thoughts. They have talked about that before, and mm-hmm. it should be a completely lifeless planet, as as I understand it. Yeah, they ended up there, like, they didn't hadn't planned on staying there. They were just there to steal yeah. Food or something? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, they no. were there to pick orchids. No, remember they were there. They they opened in the they opened the episode with the uh, stasis pods. Yeah. So they did deliberately go to that planet. That's where they sent them to live. Mm. But, no, I thought they went there and then they got infected. No, and then they got stuck there. No. So they put them. All right. No, because remember the episode opens with the stasis pods being closed. Yes. So they shot the stasis pods down there after they already knew they were infected. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Like, No, but I will agree with you. They arrived on the planet already in stasis. Okay. Which means they picked that planet and sent them there. 
All right. That's what I, that's how I interpreted that anyway. In any case, the, um, I, 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 I mean, the prime directive just basically serves the story mm-hmm. where they see fit, but I think monkeys are probably okay, but if there's other monkeys are not okay. I mean, with the prime directive. Oh yeah. All right. But if, if there are other like potential civilizations elsewhere in the system, they mm-hmm. had to get rid of all their stuff. Like, this was a concern in uh, Generations. Yeah. They were on a planet next to a planet that was inhabited. Mm-hmm. And they had to do something. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Anyway, you're not wrong, but I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> uh, Deke Winsome says, Dear Voyagens. Well, the sunset of season two is upon us. Once again, you've proven that Trek has many surprises, episodes of Voyager that are not awful. Almost no nudity in the podcast studio and meaningful discussions about vermin. Do, do we need nudity? I mean, you know. Rabbits, as you now well know, are actually lagomorphs, which sound like an awesome Star Trek race. So if we were if we're collectively Brandon Braga and Michael Piller, oh god, and wanted yeah. to introduce a new alien race into Trek in the mid nineties called the Lagomorphs, what would they be like? Would they be a menacing villain, a helpful alien race, pink bunnies with psionic powers? They would be Jackson the Green Rabbit from the Star Wars Marvel comic. That's exactly what I was going to say. All right. Also, uh, he has included a picture of Janeway holding what appears to be a Tribble, oh. which we will post in the show notes. Uh, this one comes from Fred and he says, hi all after the discussion of the Trek novels and X-Men, I got to say, any of you read the Star Trek X-Men comics or the next gen planet X novel? No, not yet. I'm sure they're terrible, but I know if I ever found a copy at a used bookstore, I would probably buy it just to find out what that's about. Yeah, no, at this point, so would I, I've never read either of them. All I know is the Dr. McCoy joke. Yeah, which I, I assume the whole thing was written just so that yep. Hank McCoy could re- meet Leonard McCoy. And they could someone could go, Dr. McCoy, and they could both go, yes. yes. Yeah. Exactly. Hilarious. Uh, a, a Dane? Is that how you say that? I may be saying that wrong. I believe a Dane. Looks like a Dane. Yes. Uh, says, thank you for producing such an awesome show. You're welcome. As an English nerd, I enjoy your intentional, I assume, mix-up of Jane Austen and Jane Eyre. Totally intentional. Yep, absolutely. That's not a mistake I've ever made before. Also enjoy that you guys are interested in making your podcast interesting to women. Amanda should be on every week. That's true. Because she is awesome. Also, I love... And handsome. Also, I love that you now have one more than one female guest. Basically, I just love everything. Keep it up. Thank you. We try so hard. So thank handsome. You, thank you for saying we didn't fuck it up. You guys have a lot of handsome listeners. Apparently so. And smart. So smart. Brian Lynch is writing in, and if this is about Deadly Games, I am going to delete it. If the Voyager crew Deadly Games, Deadly Games, Deadly Games, (laughs) Deadly Games. If the Voyager crew had spirit animals that accurately reflected reflected their personalities, what would they be? You can also answer this for any Star Trek characters that come to mind, or any 90s UPN sci-fi show you can think of. Hang up on Brian. (laughs) Next caller. No, they have talked briefly about the spirit animal thing, so that's not a bad... uh, Mm. Like, I don't know, what do you think? Uh... Hmm. Well, Harry Kim's is obviously the scared lizard from Bojack Horseman. Telephone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. Bolana's some kind of aggressive, like a little yappy dog. You think an angry little yappy dog? Oh, I was thinking like a warthog or something. No, yappy dog. Okay, something with tusks. Yeah, but that's fair. Um. Tom hmm. Paris would be something gross. Tom Paris would be a sponge. Yeah. <laughs> Like a wet old sponge. Mm-hmm. He's got an old sponge he likes to yep. work on. Um, we know Janeway's is what, like a gecko or something, right? Mm. Salamander monster. Something like that. Fuck, fuck Newt. 
Yeah. <laughs> Janeways is a fuck newt. Uh-huh. Um, Tuvok. Tuvok. For some reason, I'm picturing a bulldog, and I don't know why. I don't know. But that just seems to fit. So we're going to say bulldog. Yeah. Let's just cast them as dogs. How about that? All right. <laughs> and cast as a corgi. I know you like corgis. I do like corgis. Yeah. Uh, James writes in and says, hi, Alan, Matt. Do you think Voyager was poorly cast? They definitely botched Janeway and got lucky Kate Mulgrew was available. Mm -hmm. Robert Beltran is either terrible or terribly disinterested. Garrett Wong seems over his head and Robert Duncan McNeil is, well, bad. Mm -hmm. Also Ethan Phillips. (laughs) Uh, that's another thing watching, uh, Desperate Housewives. Robert Duncan McNeil directed an episode, like, the credit came up, like, whoa, huh, all right. He's directing modern, I mean, ten years ago now. Uh TV shows, like, reputable TV shows that people see. Mm Mm-hmm. On the other hand, with the DS9 actors have fared just as well, poorly and differently, given the same characters and writing staff. Uh, a lot of Voyager's problems is the writing, I would say. Yeah. Like, this cast is more or less Mostly risen to the this cast is fine. I honestly think if Paris was a better character, that Robert Duncan McNeil would do all yeah, he's right. He's probably got the chops to... Maybe not as good as Riker. But no. But not, not bad. No. He's... Like, most of the smarm is, I think, in the script, not in his acting. Yeah. He's just putting it there because he's, you know, um, him. I don't know that a different actor could make Neelix better. No. 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 I, Neelix feels like they were trying to make Quark again. Yeah. And, and just failed. failed badly. I, I, I don't know. Like, I like your idea of uh, of Ron Swanson. As, Nick Offerman as a... Uh, yeah, as Chakotay. As Chakotay. Yeah, that would be fine. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Thom. I want you to replicate me all of the sta- all of the bacon and eggs you have. <laughs> the computer has put all of my music into this rectangle. <laughs> it's an excellent rectangle. Uh, Thom says, hi, guys. Hello. I just wanted to drop you a line and let you know how much I am enjoying Pa. You have done what I thought couldn't be done and made me enjoy, for the most part, watching Voyager. I have a question I'd like to get your take on if, you have, if I have managed to get it on in time. Yes. Do you think the Kazon would have been more tolerable as antagonists if the writers could have kept them as they were originally conceived, as a roving interstellar gang of teenagers? I mean... I'm I, not sure if it would have made the Kazon better or not, but at least as a bunch of teenage gangs trying to force their wills on other races in the Delta Quadrant, they'd have been more intimidating than the coral and dirt-headed militant pack-leds that we got. Yeah. Thanks for the hour I mean, of that's kind of... Like, when I say they're a gang of hillbillies, I mean, that's almost teenagers, right? <laughs> I mean, in the... They, they both, like, driving around getting drunk in the woods, like... <laughs> yeah, all right. I was thinking in the, in the comedy spectrum mm. of, like, amusing, stereotypical groups of people. Mm. They're somewhere between cartoon hobos and, like, society ladies who say, well, I never. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Those archetypes that are in sure. every Three Stooges short and every old cartoon and every, you know... Yeah, no, I follow you. Okay. Uh, Flonk has written in with a delightful photo, which we will put in the show notes, of Jean and Majel dressed as what appeared to be feudal Japanese warriors. Oh, Jean. So that's a thing. Oh, Jean. Uh, Samus, Samus, how do you, how do you, Samus. Samus Samus writes in and says, uh, hey, Alan, Matt. Hi. Uh, you decided to shake things up with the Voyager crew and replace Neelix with Tuvix as ship chef and Mm -hmm. chuckles Chakotay with Nick Offerman. (laughs) Uh, if given the chance, who else would you like to swap into the Voyager crew? Ooh. Uh, and they also mentioned the alternate performers considered for Star Trek roles, which we've talked about before, and we can post in the show notes again. 
Uh, Robert Picardo originally auditioned for Neelix. I didn't know that. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> My lungs. <laughs> I had to calm down to get that right. And section 31. It's not a bad doctor, by the way. I, I've been working on it. We've got to breathe out. Um, and section 31's Luther Sloan, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the, the creepy dude who was lurking in Bashir's quarters in leather, mm-hmm. uh, played by Martin Sheen initially. Oh, I would like that. That would have been cool. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, you guys, for the hard work and suffering you've done so far. I'm wishing you more success. Well, thank you. Um, I don't know. Like, we've talked People about it. I would get rid like... I honestly, we've talked about this a fair amount, and, mm. and a lot of the problems I have are more in the writing. Yeah. Like I just said, I, I don't know. I, and I don't mean to, to short this question. We are just kind of hitting a time wall yeah. here. Um, but does anything immediately leap to Not mind? Really. Like, I like most of the thing is, I like most of the cast. Yeah. I don't like Neelix, and I'm not going to like Neelix maybe if Robert Picardo had played him, but probably not. Yeah. The whole thing about Robert Picardo is he's really great at these straight lace, like yeah. straight, like definitely deadpan. A, definitely a different take on the character, I'll tell you that much. Would you like to eat some hair? Just not. Is that, not what ha- is that why he's bald? Like, has he been serving people his hair? That could be. To serve hair. That's what this book is subtitled, yes. by the way, I assume. Uh, this one comes from Matthew, not not you. Matthew. I think a different Matthew from before, actually. Matthew. In fact, he signs it Dark Matter Matt. Mm. Ooh, and his email address is at the physics department of a of a university. Wow. I think I think that's vague enough that I'm not gonna like yeah. identify who it is, but uh, either a physics student or professor, so that's pretty cool. Matthew. Thanks for the review of Tuvix. I've been working my way through Voyager, only watching episodes recommended by a blog, and I found skipping the rest. Tuvix is the only episode so far that you've liked and the blog I'm following didn't, so I went back to watch it and quite liked it. Mm. You're right. It's smart and ballsy and kind of devastating. Yeah. I'd actually been kind of distracting by other things to watch, so I hadn't watched Voyager in months. One of the things I was reminded about how awesome Voyager's theme song and opening sequence are. Mm. The Voyager theme song is the only one I like besides the original series. I never liked how TNG reused the motion picture theme, which I always considered a lame imitation of John Williams. DS9's theme, they tried something different, and I don't dislike it, but it doesn't do much for me. As for Enterprise, well, I'll wait a a few, you guys. (laughs) Really, TOS and Voyager's themes are by far the most awesome, both really selling the goofy optimism and wonder that is Star Trek. Voyager's theme and beautiful opening really do a lot toward making me like that series. Yeah, we said that before, that Mm -hmm. I like the opening credits to that way better, and I think you, you agree with that. Yeah. Um... Let's see. That might be everything. I'm going to make a quick sweep through here. Yeah, to make a quick mind sweeper through there. Yeah, to see if we solitaired. No, that didn't work. I can't read and make terrible jokes. That was solitarable. <laughs> see, this is why. This is why you have a co-host. Uh, no, that's everything. All right. So, thank you guys once again, as ever. Uh, we're still having fun. Yeah. So. so- we're still going to keep slogging through Voyager. Yep. I, I Like I say, I know we have the Sulu one coming up. Yep. I know Seven of Nine's not too far off. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that are supposed to be great, and I can't think offhand. No. We don't hate the Borg yet, so maybe at first that'll be good. I'm, like, I t- we talked about this. I'm looking forward to seeing the Borg again. I will quickly tire of them, I'm sure, but yeah, absolutely. right now, absolutely. yay Borg. And uh, we'll be back next week with the opening of season three. So until then, see you, folks.
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs>